Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of Growing With My Fellow Growers. This is our official four-year anniversary, and I'm going to go ahead and pass it over first to Spartan Grown. Hey, Shaq. I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. Um, that's important because there's a lot of people. I'm getting a lot of accounts trying to imitate mine for some reason. Uh, otherwise, the best place to actually get a hold of me is through email at spartangrown at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you uh, as quickly as possible with all of your gardening questions. We're happy to have you back. And next up, Dr. MJ. Hey, guys. Yeah, Dr. MJ from CocoaForCannabis.com. I got some interesting news to share this week. I got to meet the, the great and famous Matthew Gates this week. Um, so that was sort of a, a big highlight of my week. Um, I'm also doing a, no, a new show, a webinar so through Zoom. So I have to tell everybody about that. The Ask Dr. Coco Show. Um, I'm going to do it through a new Patreon platform, but um, tomorrow I'm doing a show for free. So I hope everybody can show up to that. Um, and I'm excited. It's our four-year anniversary, guys. What a, what a cool sort of thing here. So yay to everybody that comes and, and does this show every week and to everybody that watches it and to you, Jack, for taking the helm. So it, that's exciting. So grow love, everyone. Funny enough, Spartan Grown mentioned before the show, we used to do it on Google Hangouts. And uh, Google kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit because they stopped allowing you to go live on YouTube from Google Hangouts. And then we were kind of forced to go to Zoom. And since then, I've been using Zoom. But uh, that's kind of a funny remnants. Spartan had an email from one of the old Google Hangout links from one of the, his very first shows. And uh, it's funny. It's, it's been a long time and we've come a far way. But uh, speaking of Matthew Gates, next up, Matthew Gates. Similarly, I got to taste uh, Dr. Coco's famous lasagna and also ciabatta bread. This guy uh, makes some great stuff and has a beautiful house and beautiful scenery. So it was a very enjoyable experience. I hope to replicate very soon. Matthew Gates, I'm an IPM specialist. Most of you already know that. And uh, I'm very excited to also announce that Tickets are available for the Pessapalooza with Jordan River uh, Growcast. So um, me and him will be traveling across uh, uh, USA and perhaps part of Canada as well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very excited to do that, talking about IPM and cannabis in particular. So it'll be a, a really fun um, time. And uh, yeah, I look forward to what we're talking about today. Well, I'm really happy to hear that. I think it's uh, good to get that Good word out there. The Pestapalooza, I like the name. Jordan River is a great dude. He's good at organizing events, getting people to come out. And uh, I also second that Doc has a very beautiful place out there and the scenery is lovely and definitely worth uh, getting back out there sometime sooner than later. So cheers to that. And last with us currently, we've got Noah the Grower. How's it going, everybody? Uh, yeah, I'm Noah the Grower. Please. Thank you if you find me on Instagram or uh, most weeks with all you guys and uh, happy to be here. Happy to have you back. And I kind of had a few ideas for the four-year anniversary. And um, we were kind of talking a little bit about some episodes of years past before the show went live. But I guess I'll ask if any stood out, if you have like a favorite episode or a memorable episode to you, maybe other than uh, your first time coming on. And I'll pass it first to Spartan because he talked a little bit about a couple different ones. So I'm curious where he'll take it from there. Yeah, my most memorable episode is just being asked on the panel for the very first time, which I kind of talked to you about before the show. But Outside of that, I think it's it's got to be Josie Wales because he's got there's a big connection with 
Josie Wales and, and, and the GG4 strain specifically in Michigan. It's it's still to this day super popular here in Michigan. And um, you know, he came out here in the early days with the High Times Cannabis Cups and uh, kind of was pretty free with. I mean, he was selling them, but still, he was pretty free with putting those genetics out. He wasn't holding it to himself that GG4, and he kind of spread it all over Michigan, and um, it's still here. And I don't see it going anytime soon. It, it'll still be, I think, around long past me, at least in, in a form of uh, a cross probably. But uh, yeah, so for me, it was like a, a meeting a legend in my eyes, you know, something I just heard whisperings of, you know, and then being able to talk to him and hear the story. It was pretty special to me. So I thought that was pretty fucking awesome. That's what I was really excited about because like I've read the posts on the forums. I've seen photos. I've heard first, second hand, whatever accounts. I never actually heard first hand account until we actually got to talk to him and uh, having him come on and tell his story and really reinforce the fact that he was not to say just a home grower, but he was a home grower, just like all of us. And a lot of people like to look down on that and, oh, this is better because they have thousands of plants or whatever, whatever. But some of the best stuff to this day still came from home growers. And another one that's been around a long time, Chem 91 from a 1991 Grateful Dead show. And uh, the dude who found that was 17 years old at the time when he popped it. So it just goes to show you don't have to be like the masterist of master growers to find something amazing that, you know, stands the test of time. And uh, hopefully it stays around as the actual cut, as tissue culture gets better and we're better able to hang on to stuff for a longer time. Hopefully it lasts for a long time. But I agree that even in crosses, it's going to, you know, stick around for a long time. So I'm happy that he did spread it throughout Michigan. Uh, Eagle even said that he kicked himself because he passed on a cut. Uh, he had been selling them all day and they were kind of like starting to get droopy. They'd been sitting out in the sun, didn't look the best. And he walked around. He's like, hey, man, I got some extra clones. You want one? He's like, no, nah, I think I'll pass. So he he's like, I can remember back to the time that I passed on GG4, and I'm sure he uh, still kicks himself to this day because in hindsight, it's 2020, right? He probably didn't know who Josie was at the time and didn't realize the phenomenon that GG4 was going to become. And uh, that was in the very early days. I'm sure right now people are like, what? Who would say no to GG4? But before it was <laughs> well, medicinally, I think that's the hidden thing that a lot of people don't talk about is um, for me, when as a caregiver, a lot of the people, not just myself, but a lot of the people that uh, I was helping with the medication were telling me, that GG4 is the one I need to knock out pain. That's the one I need. And I mean, that made it, I think, more popular than the hype around it. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, that's undeniable. I think a lot of stuff gets hype and it might look good. It might smell good. It might taste good. But if it doesn't have that really potent medicinal effect, especially for pain, pain relief is one, a big thing across America, everybody, uh, probably across the world that people benefit from uh, with cannabis. And if you can find one that's extremely high on that marker, it's like a heavier user we get tolerance and it's great to have that thing that you go back to not just once but the second third fourth and hundredth time because it's still consistently helping you out so i'm a huge fan of that strain and definitely i was kind of starstruck i'm sure if anybody listens back on the show like i think all of us were at, at times and uh it was just really cool to he was so humble and kind to come on our show for i think it was there for the better part of two hours i mean he, he did drop out towards the end but uh we had a pretty great discussion with him and I was very thankful for that so I guess I'll pose the same question to uh doc what about you do you have anything uh I'm sure that the gg4 one is probably up there for all of us maybe but um is there any other ones that maybe stood out to you or just uh remembering your first time coming on or anything like that that stands out 
Um, you know, a few things. Yeah, I remember meeting some some various people when we used to do different kind of guests. I, I really like. I mean, obviously, the Josie Wales episode. I think it's it's cool that we had an opportunity to to meet somebody that created a strain. And and you know, we talked to him about sort of the, the business ideas that he was planning to set up. Um, and kind of it was interesting to to really go through that with somebody that was you know through that and had created this fire strain that you know everybody loved and and like literally caught fire um so that was certainly very cool Uh, you know i met um jordan river on this show when he came on to be a guest of the show um and i've since gone on to do i don't know several dozen grow casts i think at this point so um that was like a really important sort of you know person to meet and he's a good friend of mine now too um you know i always like the the u a shows when we have different people come on and show us their gardens too um people that are sort of excited to get to come on the show and talk to us and show off what they're doing and you know i, I think that that's that's been sort of a lot of fun so i, I kind of look forward to all those episodes but um yeah, you know, I think quite a few of them have been good. I think the reason that we all stick around doing this, you know, nobody's sort of getting paid or earning anything from doing this. This is just because we've all gotten something out of it. And I think that those experiences have been a big part of that. I couldn't agree more. It uh, definitely keeps me interested and, uh, you know, driven to continue this and try and, you know, keep it as as high quality as we can with uh, what we're the opportunity that we're given. And I think that we've done a great job providing a lot of different unique and interesting content, uh, specifically related to the grow space and trying to keep it as affordable as possible for the people out there. In regards to the name of the show, you know, being true to the cheap home grow and growing with my fellow growers. And I think we definitely represent both of those things very well. And um, I'm happy that the ship has been able to continue to sail for four years because uh, when the captain leaves, sometimes it doesn't continue. But I, I was able to fill in for our former host Shane. I know he doesn't typically ask me to not use his full name, obviously, and uh, he he's not really active in the space anymore. So he doesn't want the spotlight shined on him. But he really does deserve some credit for getting this thing off the ground. And all the there was uh, somebody I was just talking to uh, about the number of episodes and like the number of episodes before growing with my fellow growers. Like there was lots of interviews. Like he interviewed the founder of Normal. He interviewed like the Chicago White Sox doctor and all these other individuals. And uh, he did a great job getting people to come out, all of us <laughs> being in that. So it was a, a great you know thing that he did. And I'm very, very thankful that uh, four years ago to this day, growing with my fellow growers took off. And uh, I'm curious, Noah the Groa, have you uh, thought about the question I asked to Spartan and Dr. MJ? And did any episodes stand out in particular to you or uh, just maybe any ideas about getting started in the Cheap Home Grow podcast community? Yeah, you know, it is a trip listening to you guys talk here. It, it brings me back to when I got first brought on and um, my, I, I was kind of nervous my first time. And, uh, you know, I've often referred to some of the growers here as ninjas because, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And to be around some of these guys that are, you know, really high end growers, it was like, wow, you know, there's you, you think you're in your own bubble. You think you're some, you know, badass. But then you meet somebody who really knows they're doing you're like, OK. And it really humbled me in the last four years. I've really grinded and really pushed myself harder. And I just enjoy talking to all the growers here. I always listen. I try to 
ask questions. And uh, my first episode, I was really nervous. And but you know, it's been a blast, man, being a part of it. And uh, I, I thank uh, the former host. He brought me in. I met him in a Discord room. I was trying to find people that had other information about Gronk. So I was trying to, you know, learn more. I'm always trying to learn more. And uh, I thank him for that. And, you know, my first, uh, we did a, a just a straight interview, me and him. And that was really cool. And, you know, just uh, all, all the growers here, you know, all you guys, uh, I, I have a blast every week. So, you know, it, it, all the episodes are, are are good for me. So I like them all. But I the first one I remember vividly and the Josie Wells one I remember and, just some of the ones where, you know, there's, there's been, you know, cause not everybody's, you know, we all have different growing styles and not everybody, you know, sees the same page, but you know, everybody's pretty uh, agreeable. And uh, so I just, I enjoy it all. I like all of it. I'm definitely there with you. I think that variety is what keeps it kind of interesting for us. If we did the same thing every single week, it would get stale a lot quicker. And it's nice to be able to have the option of doing kind of a lot of different types of topics and shows. And uh, the fact of the matter is, I think that we all also enjoy each other's company. And like you said, we kind of push each other to get better. And I think uh, the show is also humbling for myself and maybe others on the panel because you see how well some of these other people are doing. And it could push you to be like, man, I could really raise my bar in certain areas or uh, expand my operation or, you know, start doing... Uh, like some of our friends who aren't with us right now are in other states uh, than they originally started, like Aaron, the grower, and Brandon Russ started in California and have pursued the dream so much so they wanted to get into the you know legal end of the market. And California wasn't really permissive for them as far as cost to entry, but they moved to Oklahoma and they've both gotten operations off the ground. And it's really uh, amazing to see how far uh, they've come as well. And uh, our last panelist who's with us right now, I'll ask you the same question, Matthew. Did any uh, of these episodes kind of stand out to you or any thoughts reflecting back on kind of joining the Cheap Home Grow podcast? You know, it's shame to say it this way, but it's sometimes difficult to remember the, even the ones that I really liked because we do them and I get sort of enamored with the weather we're doing at the moment. And over time, I will say that some of the ones that have stuck out with me, though, I will agree with the uh, Josie Wales one for a lot of novel reasons, but also um, we had, and, and I don't think, I don't know if it's still up, but we had Jeff Lowenfels on. That one's not on anymore, right? It's on one podcast platform. Um, <clears throat> that's one I should probably re-upload as well. Um, it's called CastBox. CastBox has all the episodes, but I have to go through and like screen record my laptop playing it for uh, two hours and then take that screen recording and then upload that to uh, YouTube and to the podcast platforms. But it's it's worth doing. And we definitely have, that's, I guess, part of the reason I'm asking is to reflect back on what episodes are worth <laughs> recovering from the, the lost shows. But more so just uh, as a, at an anniversary, it's kind of fun to reflect back and think about maybe stuff that did stand out. And uh, I wish for... I I was frenetically looking back in our history on here on Cheap Home Girl on the on the account, and uh, even going as far back as number forty eight, I'm still here. So, like, I actually don't even remember when I started. To be quite honest, I think you might have been on episode one. Um, I think that you was did that individual. I? I think you may have, or I know that you did an individual episode with the former host, and a lot of, and that also was kind of like. I felt like maybe a requirement to get onto the growing with the yeah. growers. I always thought that was so cool that I loved the, I actually, it was like two shows. You'd have the, you'd have the audio podcast and then you'd have the growing with my fellow grower show. And then the growing with my fellow grower show were just panel members that were past guests that were from the audio platform. And I loved that. 
that was actually I, when Noah was talking about that, that brought back my memory of like, oh yeah, that was the audio broadcast first that we did. And then it was funny because Shane seemed more nervous than I was and I was pretty nervous. Yeah, yeah. I did a few of those podcasts before we ever did the Growing With My Fellow Growers show too. Started, I think the first podcast I did on Cheap Home Grow was like November of 2018 um October November I, I sort of remember that time because I published the book Coke Over Cannabis in August and started the website at the very beginning of September of that year so there's sort of a bunch going on and then just a couple months later I went on the the Cheap Home Grow podcast and I, did, I don't know I did like three or four of them before we started the Growing With My Fellow Growers show yeah, yeah so so learn how to grow ones. cannabis using Coco Coir you were episode 32. There we go. When was that? November 18? Uh, October, October 16th, 2018. 2018. I know it was 2018. That was the year I published Coco for Cannabis. That's a long time ago. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been a while. We were just thinking that this summer, it's the five-year anniversary of all of that stuff. We're just passing our, our four-year anniversary here with this show, which is sort of like remarkable. I mean, the show started yeah within that year of of starting my website and the book and all that yeah it's certainly uh cool to see how things have progressed and um i was just going to look at the number of episodes i think we're on like 205 or something like that on youtube but i didn't write the actual number before i was a little bit late getting the link out and everything so i just kind of scrambled wrote four-year anniversary so i'm going to click on cheap home grow and mute my phone so i don't Oh, we get like a warning. Don't forget you are a moderator standard on this channel. Yeah. That's fine. That's a new thing. Okay. Um, good to know, I guess. But <laughs> oh, I got to click on live. The most previous one was 204. So yeah, this is 205. But they're on the cast box is 323 episodes. So that means there are 100 plus episodes that were non-growing with my fellow growers. Like we had growing with my fellow lads with the uh, UK guys, that panel. We had growing with my oh, fellow yeah. ladies. Yep. And the we hydro had, hustlers yeah hydro hustlers yeah. we had the breeders syndicate um or no breeders collective breeders collective breeder syndicate is a yeah. different show sorry but uh there was like six <laughs> episodes of that with me kyle breeder adam from 2020 mendocino and uh wow there's so many different shows on the i kind of always i jokingly referred to it as grower versus grower. Podcast network. yeah grower versus grower. that was you and jeff was that... that was a good one i like that one <laughs> that's an episode I want. Yeah, that's an episode I want to bring up. To, <laughs> yeah, bring to Dr. Coco, bring in some some levity, levity to uh, an expert who I don't know. I'll say it. I think that people look up to somebody who uh, look at his plants. They never do really good <laughs> happiness. Shots fired. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I went through quite a bit of aftermath about that. Um, where I accumulated some haters as a result of sort of those interactions. I'm but kind of a little bit. That's okay. I mean, that's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's I know. Okay. I, I know. I almost lost my YouTube channel in that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> really? Insane. Yeah. So <laughs> people oh, report stuff. It's unfortunate. And your name has a in it. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that one buried. We don't need a resurrection. Oh, shoot. <laughs> we should encourage. I think we just put it, shine the biggest spotlight ever on that, but that's okay. Oh, People man. won't find you it. Gotta send I told that... where to find it, they won't find it. Trust it's me. Buried. It's too You got to send that to ideologues. 
I I'll say I'll get back I think on topic. we all can agree that debate is always going to get bring you the best outcome if you if you can debate you know and do it without yeah you know degenerating no personal arguments and I, I promise I wasn't I wasn't trying to be rude I think a lot of people thought that I was the host of the show and I was like interviewing him and I was just being like combative or something no, I, I don't know but it was problem. supposed to be like a debate I mean like yeah. and yeah he had asked for several months to like get prepared for the debate so like I, I showed up pretty prepared like I had notes and oh man it's about argument it was like uh, <laughs> yeah what a what a what a what a like you know what what a jerk you are to like have an idea <laughs> of what you're going to say and have evidence that you're going to bring up yeah yeah no, i totally get it i'll say to, yeah. to shift it from that topic and into a positive one yeah. uh, it actually started in a not so positive light rob who is no longer with us i think of atlas plant trainer him and i were actually as much as i could say beefing with anybody like uh i guess you know, we were having a disagreement. He was kind of shit talking a soil that I strongly believed in. I've used it for years, had a lot of success with it. And because they did a side by side experiment, they deemed it no longer a good soil and shouldn't be used type thing. So I was like, hey, man, me and many other growers have had a lot of success with this soil. So we just weren't seeing eye to eye. And I think sometimes uh, on the Internet through text, tone is lost and it's not what you say, how you say it kind of thing. But um, we were definitely like buttonheads and DMs and just even going back and forth on some posts, things like that. But um, I invited him on the show and he came on the show and we had a great discussion. Awesome discussion. We did. I mean, that was a meaningful show too. Yeah. And it's a big chat move. day later, he passed. So like that was really important for me nice. because we made that we made amends before. he. And that's not the only reason that it's important. I think it's always good to, you know, uh, build bridges, not burn them. And we really genuinely were past it. We handled it like mature adults, I think. And um, we, yeah, I think we may even agree to disagree. He still like the other soil. That's fine. But we got through that and we had a great show, great discussion. And then the week after, I mean, I think we uh, did a celebration of him and his product and just his impact on the community. And um, it was definitely a tough loss because it's like, you know, things were just going on the, the right track, you know, and we just had that episode and uh, made that men's. And so I was like, things are on the up and up. And then boom, like it was a surprise. He was young and uh, it definitely hit his family hard. And it was uh, a tough one, but I, I really, it, it stands out to me as, as something like uh, it was, I think it's actually the most viewed episode is like 83 or 84 of growing with my fellow growers. Cause a lot of people really um, deeply related to and respected him. And that was, I mean, I, I would imagine obviously his last recorded interview and I don't know if I said this on the show, but like same with Josie Wales, his only ever interview. I've looked everywhere up and down on the Internet as Josie Wales, maybe as like a real person somewhere else. He's done interviews, but um, the only like interview as GG4's Josie Wales is the Growing With My Fellow Growers podcast. And that's kind of an important historic landmark because like he shouts out his partner, Russ, who or Ross, who passed in that show. And it just like, it really lays out a lot of the lineage. He talks about his daughter, he talks about Brandon Rust, who's not with us tonight, but who went out to his facility and met him in person and uh, helped him and worked with him and helped get things a little bit straightened up at his place. And um, he was older, he was on like dialysis and so he had health issues. So um, for Brandon to be able to go out there and, and help him out and kind of, you know, uh, solidify some of the things that were happening with the GG strains. And we even got to talk about like the lawsuit. <laughs> Because that, to me, is always fascinating, whether it's cookies and Girl Scout cookies getting sued, whether it's uh, hash 
bros with uh, Matt Rise getting sued or Skittles is one of the most recent ones getting sued. Uh, but GG4, Gorilla Glue actually sued him. And he thought the first one was like, he didn't think it was real. He didn't you know, take it seriously. And by the time the second one came around, he was in some shit. So they had to deal with some legal bills and they initially like allowed him to use the same uh, name for like a year, but, and right, like formerly uh, Gorilla Glue 4, but they had to change it to GG4. And so that's where that whole thing started. And I'm glad that we were able to kind of get his opinion. And the other thing that really stood out to me in that show, going back to Josie, is the uh, fact he talked about a lot of people brushed him off and wouldn't give him genetics. Like Grayskull, one of the growers, was one of the only guys that would share genetics with him. And like because he was just sort of a nobody on the forum, like that was just like only a handful of people were willing to work with him. So I'm happy that he shouted them out as well. So that was a a cool kind of a thing for him to give credit to the people that standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. Didn't they change the name to Original Glue? Yeah, after um, after one year, I think it became Original Glue, was uh, represented for GG4. And they had like GG5 right. too and GG6. I think the website's gg4strains.com. I'm sorry, sorry, I didn't hear you. I said I think the website now is gg4strains.com if you're interested in like the original genetics from them his daughter's still running it i believe yeah she's like partnering and doing the licensing deals in canada and the us i believe and all the legal markets they basically ensure however he said like uh however the cut gets there it gets there but they make sure that they have a legitimate cut and then they get x amount of pennies per pound i think is what josie referred to it as but essentially he has a licensing deal and uh it was definitely an interesting discussion i think uh, people well, they should go back and listen to it because we went into the kind of ramifications of that. And it was sort of an interesting juxtaposition between that and how he was before with GG4. He was just selling it to anybody who had, had 10 or 15 bucks or whatever it was for a clone. And even in Eagle's case, like offering to give it out for free to some people. So, um, but I respect both sides of that, actually. And um, I see where he was trying to, so many other people were making a living off of his work. So he might as well try and make at least a little bit of the money off of what he found. So I, I respected both points of that and uh it was he's one of the very few people who i would say had a strain go sort of viral like in in the cannabis community like it went around like a, a meme or a, a video that just catches like a, a viral trend but it was a physical object and the fact that it is in europe the fact it's in australia and everywhere like there is i can verify at least a few of the ones in europe are 100 real and i don't know about the other ones but it's it's worldwide so it uh It'd be so crazy to start a, something like that, right? Like, can you just imagine the experience of sort of like starting something like that and then watching it spread out there? I mean, like, uh, I would be on a certain level overwhelming, I, I think. Um, it's hard to even comprehend. Yeah. I'm sure like even up until his passing, like the scope of that is just so enormous. And it's right. like nothing else. Like what job can you be in? What thing can you do that even compares to that like that you and not only like be a recording artist or like a movie star or something i mean like a recording artist that gets a song to go global i think would be like maybe the closest analogy that i can think of but even that is like an intangible thing like the fact that yeah the genetics from the cross that he made were literally spread around the world like that and cultivated by thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of growers and um 
enjoyed by millions. Yeah. And, like and people, I mean, it's like so special to them. The breeders on the show, you get like a few dozen people to try your gear. Like you'd be stoked on that. Not like, you know, half the growers in the planet. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. And it, it really withstood the uh, different cultivation practices. It, it represented itself pretty, not uniformly, yeah. but a lot of people got like a uh, similar chemically chocolate sometimes under subtle undertones like gassy um you know it, it had a pretty distinct profile like when i smell it i'm like oh this is glue or a glue cross and it just it's one of them one of like the probably 10 strains in my head that just bam i'm like oh i know that one for sure has glue in. and somebody will be like no it doesn't and then sure enough you look into the strain and, and it does so it might be the parent or the grandparent but it's in there and it's a uh, pretty fascinating that yeah i grew the clone only i and I got to talk to him about that. I mean, that was cool. So I grew GG4. I really like GG4 that I grew too. So I feel like we, I'm almost to mention this, uh, I almost feel like it. we almost have a, a curse yeah. of uh, growing with my fellow growers with some of the people because Frenchie Cannoli is another one we interviewed who is no longer with us. And What's I'm glad we got him. Yeah. It's almost that why we don't have a lot of big guests on the show anymore. I think I might be a little bit paranoid. We're like the Madden of of the uh, weed shows, man. <laughs> yeah, if you get put on that Madden uh, c- cover, you get like the Madden curse, and then you have a really shitty season. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think unfortunately, no, I can't believe true. I forgot I mean, the, the three big sort of guests or three of the big guests that I can remember um, have all unfortunately passed, and and you know before their time. I can't believe I forgot Frenchie Cannoli was on. Well, for me, that was special because I had to work, like somebody said it earlier, I think it was Spartan, uh, Shane was almost more nervous than you were, which actually almost weirdly gave you a level of calm because I think he was a less experienced grower than at least Spartan or myself at the time that he was interviewing us. So he looked at us as like the expert and him as just the host. So he was going to let us carry it and he was kind of getting his feet underneath him at the very, we were some of the earlier episodes. So he was just getting started. I wasn't very good either. I was calling in from a phone. The audio quality is terrible, but it was like a, a fun time. And I guess uh, I sort of, oh, Frenchie Cannoli. I wrote the notes because I, I was actually like a little bit nervous because Shane was the one who always did the one-on-one interviews. So he was going to have Frenchie on, but he didn't know anything about hash. So I had to write all these questions for him. And the first interview that Shane did with Frenchie, all those questions I had wrote. So I must feel like the, you know, co-producer credit on that episode. The ghostwriter. Ghostwriter, <laughs> Jack Greenstock. And then from that, we had the relationship. Shane got the no- physical phone number. And I was always like too embarrassed or nervous to call Frenchie. He's like, dude, call Frenchie, text him. Like, you know, if you ever have any, any questions, reach out to him. He's really cool. He's, he said, reach out, whatever. And I never did, but he reached out and invited him on growing with my fellow growers. And so he was able to talk to all of us on that episode. So I was a longtime Frenchie fan. One of my uh, good friends went to his class, learned how to make hash the way that he does. And I had the temple ball that style. And it was like still to this day, some of the best I've ever had. And I've had some of Frenchie's uh, cherry pie temple ball from the California legal market. And it was actually phenomenal. And uh, so I have a high, high amount of respect for Frenchie. And uh, shout out to Madame Cannoli, because I think she's still like uh, some of the other people we mentioned is uh, carrying on the torch for Frenchie. And, and I think still doing some of the classes and some of the meetups and things like that and keeping the content out there and going and keeping his name and legacy alive, because I think that's important. It uh, that old school style of hash is disappearing in favor of like uh, solventless concert solvent concentrates and other styles of hash like you know rosin and things like that. And they're great too, but I just think it's uh, nice to have 
a variety out there of different things and kind of uh he i think put out the best commercial ice water hash technique before that like i saw i learned from uh jorge cervantes video where back when he was wearing the dreadlocks and the sunglasses and he had an egg beater that he would use to make his hash and he whipped it for like 15 minutes and then he just pulled it all out and like half of it was so green and like disgusting but by the time he pulled enough bags like you got like a few good golden things but yeah it was not a sophisticated technique i'll say that but it got me into bubble hash a long time ago so shout out to horius Cervantes for that and Reggie cannoli for uh sort of giving a more refined technique and uh he's a little hard to understand that thick ass french accent man oh my god somehow like, you put on the subtitles like i think youtube auto generates the uh text if you click the button and it, it's so funny because like the words that he's actually saying versus what's coming up on the subtitles is so far off but i uh, got past the censors though because they never figured out that we were talking about anything related to cannabis right yeah it was so his uh ashish uh frenchy man i miss him I, I definitely have been moved by and even people that we didn't have on the show like we did uh one subcool passed we did uh an honor to subcool and some of the other breeders who've uh, gone by i think that it's important for us to be able to highlight some of those people in the community that a lot of the newer growers might not have heard about or got to experience and uh share their story and their legacy maybe well i was just i saw somebody on instagram today uh and very impressed with their garden and their work ethic uh terp queen in michigan shout out to terp queen fucking follower i think our ease of threes and shit but the operation that they're tending to is impressive and uh, the quality looks very good i need to reach out to them and see if maybe we can have them as a guest on the show and just start kind of uh spotlighting people in the community that are doing good things and uh impressive work and just general people throughout the uh, community because i think our old host did a much better job of that than i have <laughs> i i've been shy about reaching out to people and it's it takes a little bit of time going back and forth so that's probably why i'm not as uh, good at it but maybe i'll dedicate some more time to that in the future because i do realize that was a element of the show in the past that really was special as we reflect back to some of the guests they do really make some of the shows at least they stand out the most and uh most memorable so is there any guests that you guys would like to have on in the future maybe we could reach out to that's a good question i think we should think, come up with some i want to give a shout out to small poker here who wants us to give a shout out to aaron the grower um has a new baby yes his son for son shout out to aaron the grower so shout out to often you know panel member i think aaron the grower here so atg acres um yeah that's cool congratulations aaron he's a great guy and uh i know his daughter and his uh, wife they're great people i got to meet them in northern california and i really couldn't be uh i guess more confident in someone as a father he is so caring supportive loving uh, he's intelligent, hardworking. I mean, Aaron, if you're listening, fucking yeah, I love you. Caring man. guy. I agree. You're a great I human being, and I know your kids are going to be uh, great people because they're growing up with two amazing parents, and, and you're both doing a fucking kick ass job. Shout out to Aaron, man. Living up, I was going to make a joke about him living up to his name, Aaron the Grower, not just plants. Man. He's got to hit that growing humans, too. Growing the fam. Dude, that deviant, he just grew from. Uh, North Star Genetics, you guys see that? Oh, 
I'm gonna might go to his Instagram and share the screen because that is beautiful. It's like that lavendery purple and just coated in sugar, like frosty, frosty, frosty buds. I need to look into the cross. Uh, shout out to North Star Genetics. He breeds a lot of fire stuff, but I hadn't heard of that deviant. Maybe it's defiant. I, I'm a little dyslexic, admittedly. <laughs> but I'm going to go pull up Aaron the Grower's page. And uh, definitely cool that he just had a second child. I think he was kind of keeping it on the DL because I don't think he posted anything about it like up until basically the baby was born. And probably got some reasons behind that. But uh, smart man. Anyway, but... I know that somebody I reached out to a long time ago, they had uh, agreed to be a guest, but we've never gotten it lined up, was uh, Marlon Asher. I know it's a little bit of field, but the guy who sings Ganja Farmer, <laughs> I, I wanted to if he's actually like, does he grow? Like he has that song. I would wonder, you know, and uh, it'd be cool to have. You're going to put him on blast for not actually being a Ganja Farmer? Well, no, it's, it sounds <laughs> like he actually is. I think that he is a Ganja Farmer. Not, not that he has to currently do it, but maybe his past experience, there you go. You know, the culture and things like that um but it, it just and the fact that he made that song i think it inspires people more people to grow like you were talking about earlier what can be related to josie wales gg4 going worldwide wow. uh, at least that song to me i feel like it went pretty uh broad and it got lots of listens and views and uh, the social media way we can reach out to and, and probably get um along those same lines would be the the mental dope boys it would be cool to get them that would be awesome them on. i think they'd come on too i, I think i could uh maybe go through eagle he's got a good connection with them and maybe we could get that negotiated because i love their music too man there's literally like saturdays i do really long like four hour hikes and i just fucking put mendo dope on and like it's so it just gets me going like my heart going and like you just don't feel like you're exercising as much when you've got like a really good song that's like uplifting and uh captivating like that it's it's crazy how much of a difference it makes when i have like that one headphone in versus like just quietly you know hiking throughout but uh mendo dope lots of good songs man yeah and and definitely farmers definitely oh yeah cannabis farm. real real i smoke <laughs> their flower man I, I live out here my wife gets their stuff at her shop she's specifically she's the purchaser so i'm like get as much mango dope and green shop farms as you can and uh their pog passion orange guava some of the best stuff i've ever had seven percent terpenes dude in the legal market do you know how hard that is yeah. you know like it's awesome. it's sun grown no light assistance Full. Basically, any anything in the on the legal market four percent plus is good terpenes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So they're at seven. They're almost double that. Uh, that's pretty good. Dude, I rarely see four. It's like one, two, three, maybe four, but like rarely four, seven. It's like it, it smelt insane. Like I love passion orange guava pog, like the juice. If you've ever flown to Hawaii, I think a lot of the times they like serve it to you or give it to you. But it's they have that juice all over the place, and it uh, definitely has a unique flavor and a smell. And the cannabis smelled exactly like that. Like they're one of those people that has enough plants that they can search through and they find sp special phenos. And uh, I don't think they name it by the strain. They name it by the actual flavor and they'll tell you what the strain is and things like that. I think it's a tropical slate rat, you know, if I remember correctly. That's what I'm most I just had, uh, oh, go ahead. Man. I just had, I just had fig bar 2.0 as a, as a concentrate by locals only. This is uh GSC X. Ghost, okay, that's supposed to be by man. Cross. I can't even tell. Cross, Girl Scout cookie they cross. Should, they should use a real multiplication sign. Sometimes they use an X, and I can't tell oh, when they're trying yeah. to do both. You know. Anyways, yeah, Girl Scout cookies plus Ghost OG and uh, and uh, what's FTK? ETK? ETK? I'm not sure actually. I'd have to yeah. Google that. 
Yeah, me neither. It was live by batter. And this stuff was like some of the most baleful, cockadomanic, just like <laughs> amazing. I'm going to quote a bunch of like $1.50 words to describe it. <laughs> it was really nice. It was just, um, it was like, it was just, it uh, uh, really hits you hard and it had a really nice flavor. And like you say, Jack, um, you know, I don't always expect that. Actually, since I still have the, uh, the case here, let me just give you some extra information. Yeah, 7% terpenes. And a little easier to do in concentrate, I will say. In concentrate, yeah, that's true. Flavor. That's true. Yeah, yeah sure. I don't want to. Yeah, that's but a no, good, it's still, it's still damn good. If there's 7% terpenes, 7% terpenes in a jar, it's probably a gram. You know, it's like that's a lot of yeah, the right. percentage of one gram being 7% terpenes is going to make it smell. Terpenes like milliliters, small amounts of terpenes can be very strong smelling. So the fact that there's like a pretty significant amount of milligrams or whatever is terpenes, you're going to taste and smell it for sure. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, you know, and I'll be honest, uh, you know, very biased of me. If I were to have just judged the book by its cover and just looked at the uh, name and go Fig Bar 2.0, I would yeah. be like, eh. Big Newtons, uh, not really. When you said that. That's what my initial thought was. I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> I would not have expected that. I would not have expected that. But uh, yeah, it was quite nice. So that's cool. Oh, and Jason says in the chat that um, uh, Bruce Bugby would be also maybe a nice person to have on. He would be. Somebody sent me a um, yeah. video he did that was, and I shared it with our little cheap homegrown group, where he was like debunking cannabis myths. And um, he covered like four topics that we talked about on the episode. I think it was last week, like exactly. And I think we hit a lot of the same points that he hit. And it was funny because initially his thought on like de-leafing at all was like, I'll oh, just leave them all like it's removing solar panels. And he slowly said like, the first thing we did was start shaving the bottoms, like third up to like a half of the plant. And he's like for mold and airflow. <laughs> it's like. Everybody who actually grows for long enough, I think it's you just come to that conclusion. That's that. going to be the way to do it. And, um, you know, even when somebody like at his level of science, who's really kind of uh, looking at things pretty uh, in depth. Specifically not doing things like cutting leaves to stop shading bud sites and other things like no. that, that a lot of growers think they're supposed to do. And um, he... That, he said he kind of referred to it kind of like you do with like pruning. He says that there's like selective pruning for airflow reasons and, and management uh, for yep. environment, whatever else. But it's not like you're saying to uh, give light to a bud that's actually further away, which would be lower quality light. And the leaf above it is on the same plant. So it's capable of, you know, photosynthesizing. The leaf is so. where there's going to be photosynthesis and the, the flowers themselves, there's not going to be significant photosynthesis. So. If, if we're harvesting that light for that, the, the light that falls on the bracts, I mean, they're green, but they're not doing a lot of photosynthetic activity. So that's basically wasted light, if you want to think about it like that. Um, all the light that gets absorbed by parts of the plant that aren't photosynthetic. And again, the vast majority of that takes place in the leaves is is basically wasted light. So yeah, it's always a, that mistake. But I, I agree. Bruce Bugby would be a wonderful guest to have on the show. Um, I think so. I, I I've thought about to... setting up an interview with him sort of myself. So yeah. I think that your channel would probably be a, a good starting place because I think your technicality and light specific content would be a really good crossover. I mean, it's, it's a natural hand in hand where he would be able to come on the show, I'm sure, and handle himself. He's very well educated and he's a grower in his own right, but yeah. he's got lots of other uh, 
technical perspectives to come at things from. And one thing that he mentioned, and I'll ask you what you think about this doc, I think, and I could be misremembering, but I think you said older leaves, like uh, if they've got like a really red stem or they're like starting to die off, those are not producing much photosynthate comparatively. So that those would be actually beneficial to remove for most people in, in some sense. It's just so rare. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. Um, and sometimes you'll get in a situation where there's an older leaf that's sort of blocking younger leaves. Um, and, you know, it may make sense, but that's not generally the way plants grow, right? Like the younger leaves are on top of the, the older leaves. I mean, so you're talking about sort of rare situations where branches are crossing or something like that. Um, you end up with those situations sometimes. And so, as long basically as all of that light is going to be harvested by a leaf, um, you know, trimming an older leaf to expose a younger leaf will eventually lead to a gain, but the leaves are going to have to adjust to that too. So, you know, and how old or how young are these, these leaves? But I, I agree with the principle. I think it's going to be, it's not going to be a lot of room to sort of operationalize that, that principle, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And I appreciate the clarification. Um, it just goes to show that like, I think some people get on one extreme or the other. Um, I've been guilty of it myself, courtesy of Jeff Lowenfels. I did not remove a single leaf from any plant unless it was literally dying to try it because I've schwazed my plant where I stripped every single leaf off and made it like naked multiple times to grow. And I've also left every single leaf on the plant and I've done a little bit of in between because I like to see for myself as much as I can listen yeah. to somebody I'm just one of those people. I have to experience it for myself in my garden and see how it works in my setting. Not to say that that gives me proof, one but I just like it. The best parts about being a, a grower is that we get to do this stuff ourselves and we get to actually learn how plants grow and respond to the different things that we do. I mean, you know, I don't like doing things that, and I don't like seeing growers do things that I know are going to be sort of like problematic or cause issues or may cause them to lose their harvest or something like that. So I'll try to steer growers away from that. Um, or, or that are just wasteful or, you know, whatever. But beyond those issues, that's absolutely the, the great part about being a grower. Try something new every time and, and swap things up a bit, um, you know, and, and see how the plants respond to that. Um, I do that almost every single time I grow. I've, I just started plants last week and little seeds and I'm, I'm definitely, this is going to be different than other grows that I've done in the past. And we're going to see how it ends up. I'm like sitting here thinking about, it. I wonder what the harvest is going to be compared to other grows. I wonder how long I'm really going to have to veg them, all of these things. And, you know, in the process, it's exciting, you know, learn right? a little bit more about my plants. But it's exciting too, right? It makes you it's want exciting. to grow yeah, it keeps yeah, it fresh. It keeps it fresh. Yeah, man. Exactly. That's why you can grow forever because you can. And I'll say, do that. Yeah, do and always plant. be learning. Always be sort of like finding out new things and and testing new things. Um, yeah, I would say we do it with one plant because the example I gave earlier, I schwazed my entire garden. <laughs> Still to this day, the lowest yield I have ever had. Right. People compliment me more on those bud pictures than many of my other ones that's it the looked dirty amazing rock. it was instagram oh i got all that dopamine rush from those likes and all those nice comments and the buds looked awesome they were just like fucking nug meat all the way across spears but guess what there was so much room that wasn't filled in and every other i doubled my harvest the next grow 
literally doubled with uh, one or two less plants. I'm going to spotlight Noah the Grower because I always love it when we can get... Um, Noah, if you can, turn your phone to the side and then unmute yourself and then you can tell us what we are looking at over here. Yeah, uh, let's see here. That one is one of these new uh, triple burgers. That's a gelato. Oh, that, nice. is, that triple burger is going to be fire, dude. Yeah, You're going to fucking love it. That's Rainbow Belts. And this is a GG4 right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I started over and uh, here we are. Yeah, this is like uh, day 15 from the flip to 12-12. So, yeah, just constantly experimenting, new strains, doing everything and uh, having fun, man. Hey, man, that's yeah. what it's all about. And I'm happy to see it's so funny that you have you not. Uh, I, I don't know if ironic is the right term, but it's uh, great to see that the GG4 is there. It stands with all of the comments we made earlier about it that it's uh still in one of our own gardens it's in you my know, garden it's, too <laughs> I, you know here's a here's a, a question everybody loves gg4 like i said i'm growing it obviously i love it it's not the first time or the last time i'll grow it what's your favorite uh gg4 cross i can start i have uh it was the most potent biggest yielding plant it was actually the plant that i grew right after i schwaz it was jack's spiked punch it's actually just called spiked punch from doja dna and um it is a crazy poly hybrid but predominantly um it's like his del norte fuel which is a kind of gassy og mixed with uh, gg4 and there's some chem and mexican sativa in there as well so it's like a pretty wild hybrid but it uh is very medically therapeutic a lot of pain relief it yielded really well and it looked pretty it kind of had like pink uh hues to it so i would say that was probably one of the it's still the biggest yield i've had in my space and i only had two plants of it but yeah they did very well the one plant one of that spiked punch yielded more than the entire crop before that tells you everything right there so uh the schwazing technique i, I can't advocate for it as much as it might look pretty um Get yourself uh, some good genetics. Grow your plant nice and healthy. Uh, if you're getting cocoa, follow Dr. MJ's course and do what he's suggesting, and you will be very happy with it. Or if you're in uh, the organics, I think the earth box or sip methods and a lot of the uh, you know simple stuff, kind of like the uh, Cornell mix. Some call it the Coots mix uh, with a little bit of zhuzhing up. Follow some of Brandon Russ stuff. But yeah, you just keep your stuff pretty happy and healthy, and you'll be very surprised that you don't have to rip every leaf off uh you know twice throughout your grow i think it was like day of flip day 21 and day 42 i think it was the mean uh something like uh mean mean green jeans or something i don't know he does day 21 and 42 strips i think my mango does that mango does that mango tech that's what they call it too day yeah, 21 pretty is popular. such a specifically bad time to be assaulting your plants i mean it's just right at the end of the bolt and it's just exactly when you don't want to be giving them physical injuries it's it's so remarkable to me that so many people practice that specific thing i mean if you have to a lot of people in the chat and i totally agree there's reasons to trim some leaves especially to trim up the bases and improve airflow and, and other things like that uh, but doing it like a week earlier when the plants are still vigorously growing um, allows them to recover so much faster from that and allows them to sort of redirect the, the 
um, you know, energy that they have into more productive parts of the plant, redirect their, their um, flow them too. And, and sort of, you know, from these parts of the plant that have just been cut off. I mean, the plant has to do kind of vegetative type growth to recover from that. Great point. And another one that advocated the big leaf strips was uh, Three of Light, which is a book that was put out a while ago by a nutrient manufacturer. And uh, they're trying to get people to strip their plants as well, claiming that you could get three pounds of light with their techniques. And uh, maybe probably the origin of the idea that you can take off the leaves and then replace leaves with like bottled nutrients for the plants, right? Yeah, that, that nutrient from the leaf is going to be replaced. A lot of growers seem to believe, but those are those are two totally different things, right? Those are like nutrients. Those are like mineral salts and stuff like that versus photosynthate, which is sugars. And you can't replace the sugars that the plant produces, the carbohydrates with minerals. I mean, that's not they're not the same thing. So that's all sort of just sort of grower mythology. I'll say that when done properly, not like a full strip or whatever, but like if you stack tons and tons and tons of plants, like, a, uh, you know, where a spartan grown used to work at Mitten Canico, they would kind of do a pretty heavy leaf strip and they'd have literally just stem next to stem, next to stem, next to stem. And if you kept all the leaves on, they'd literally be leaf on top of leaf everywhere. You have to do a little bit more of an aggressive pruning, but it's still not the same as like removing all of the leaves from all of the plants. Like some yeah. are suggesting. It's also important to note that a lot of people don't think about is that's in a commercial setting where height's not really a limitation. I mean, home setting that height becomes a limitation very quickly. So our canopy was kind of deep as well, but our plants were tall as shit. I mean, we had some plants that were seven foot tall sometime, but I mean, that wasn't on purpose. That was something that bolted away from more than what we wanted. Um, is there we also shooting... dealing with, with plant count issues there too, right? Yes. So you're yes. trying to grow bigger plants kind of in the first place. Yep. It's a weird balance that, I mean, obviously some of our audience in, in home growth situations also has to face, but yeah, that, that issue with having to grow big plants because you're under plant count. But they did hit those quote numbers per light from what I understand oh, yeah. from Spartan Grounds. They were hitting very impressive, but like most people don't have really high ceilings and like the ability to pump out that amount of light and dehumidification and air conditioning and really long uh, veg times. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Which is energy intensive in its own. Right. So but on like the mini scale, you've got like a Noah the grower who has a very well dialed in setup and uh, can crush it as well. And it's like a, a miniature version of like what is, is scaled out. So you can kind of see how it comes down um, in the non tent home growing setting how like a garage or a grow room can be built into a pretty well functioning grow space and uh it's awesome and i did find aaron the growers um post here so i was gonna go ahead and share the screen because we were shouting them out earlier and i want to i know it's a mostly actually more than half of our people are audio only on the podcast but for the youtube people who are with us live and the roughly thousand or so who show up each week um either live or shortly after to watch. You can check out some of these dank buds from Aaron, the grower and follow him at ATG acres. That's one of his, I think that's his more public page, but this is from uh, North Star genetics. I think is, is that deviant? I'll highlight the word for you guys. So you can see it. I think it is. That's how I would, I would say deviant. That's what I thought. Earlier. Yeah. So I think I read it right initially, yeah. but yeah, this is a, uh, I love um, there's a breeder who has like the rosé. Um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name right now. 
but a lot of his stuff gets this i wouldn't call it purple it's almost like a magenta it's like a different yeah this reddish is like when, so yeah purple. this is in this the between so i think um the colors of cannabis you can kind of get almost to a pink red and then the other side is the purple and then this looks like it's right there in between i think he has a live this isn't actually the right one he has a live uh post with the same plant or maybe right after he harvested it and this is x-man wrong one sorry uh, nice i have to go back looking, like a week nice looking, here it is cannabis though you can see it on the live plant that. that looks yummy it reminds me of like a trop cherry too gets this color yeah and all the trop crosses trop cherries or trop uh cookies that, that stuff trop can cookies i should say is so piney to me now for some reason pine always stands out now that i smoke it. it's funny you say that because i love pine but i haven't really liked any of the trop cookies or trop cherry crosses that i've tried it looks beautiful it tastes pretty nice but the stone is like always like a four to six out of ten for me as far as I like my absolute Same. favorite is trop cherry flour mixed with mac flour smoked in a joint it is so fucking good Oh yeah, I can't wait to come to Michigan and try some good Mac because all the Mac I get here is awful in my experience. Or maybe I just really don't like that strain for some maybe, reason or another. Maybe you don't like it. I think that might be it, but it it's could like me be. and wedding cake, man. I don't, it doesn't like me at all, and I don't like it. Everyone's got their own preferences. I mean, I've had so many different strains that people tell me like, Hey man, this is the one. And I'm like, this isn't it. And then I'll show somebody something and they're like, oh, this isn't it. So that's the beautiful part about being a grower. You can control what you're going to smoke. And yeah. uh, man, there's nothing better than when you show up with a jar of something really good or, I mean, okay. So like if I don't put it in a jar numerous times, I'll have it in a bag and I'll leave the car and I'll be at my buddy's house for four or five hours. I'll come back in and my car still smells like weed. There hasn't been any weed in it. So if you yep. have really dank weed like that, fire weed, man. It's and I love it. And just gonna try and always just get one percent better every grow and get some fire, man. That's what it's all about. You either grow better or you learn something is always my philosophy. It's like I don't think any of us ever hits a true 10 out of 10. If we look back at any grow, we could always probably say, Oh, I could do this a little bit better next time, or I could do that a little bit better next time. You try and shoot for that like 9.5 or 9.8, whatever. Uh maybe it's just a humble thing, but you're like oh i grow 10 out of 10 every fucking time bro uh it's probably there might be some room for you to improve or maybe you just are ultra dialed in and, and you're never gonna get better but i want to shout out relentless genetics was the individual i forgot the name earlier with the rose who has a lot of their stuff comes out if you're looking for something like aaron the grower if you don't if uh i, I tried to find it from north star the other day myself after seeing aaron's post and i couldn't find that particular strain when i googled that strain so i don't know if it's still being sold or if it's just like i need to go to like seed banks who carry north star stuff and then go through what they have available and then find that strain. But um, yeah, the search engine optimization of the cannabis community is not quite up there. And it's also suppressed by Google and lots of other yeah. large social media, uh, social media platforms, I will say. Uh, other than Twitter, again, shout out to fucking Twitter. If you're legal and you have a license, you can advertise on Twitter for cannabis. So that is a, a benefit, a step in the right direction. And I've, I've been seeing it as a Twitter user. I'm starting to see more specific advertisements so it's cool to see it's, uh, going back to what we we're saying about how uh, Noah was saying how he could smoke it give it to a buddy and the buddy would say you know let's, let's 
it's a fucking awesome, but you know, no, I didn't think it was shit. It's the same thing for me too um, with effects, like something that you might have like a sativa like effect to me. I have this one buddy that it's always the opposite. Like every, whatever it does to me, it, it does the opposite to, to him. So I'll be like the sleepy shit. I'm like, bro, you need to smoke. This is going to give you all kinds of energy. And he's like, yeah, he'll come back. He's like, yeah, man, that's an awesome sativa. Like, just laugh at him. But like all my other friends, like it's, hits them about the same as me so it's weird how that by some everybody's body metabolism is different you know unique endocannabinoid systems i had to address this in 50 strains of green and 50 strains of purple mm -hmm. at the very top because a lot of people will be like i smoked a strain and i didn't get any type of effect like that i wrote like <laughs> each individual's endocannabinoid system is different i'm writing based on my experience and the experience of either my friends that use it uh experiences that i've read online as well just to try and give more color and perspective because i know that my own experience is not going to apply to everybody you go to like leafly weed maps uh you know high tiva all these different review websites and see what people are saying about it how does it impact them uh because our own representation and experience is not representation of the whole. So it's uh, nice to get that feedback from multiple sources. Do you think that that, that it's about that really about sort of different people's experience? Like the, the cannabis is probably the same and different people are experiencing it differently or because we get a lot of this right in the cannabis community, like different people have really radically different opinions about how different strains will affect them or whatever. I've always kind of chalked that up to like the plants are probably different. I mean, it, it, it's probably some of both, right? But like, I hadn't, I hadn't put, and I, I agree no, with you. I, I definitely shared, think that there's like, a, the endocannabinoid the system is different in different people. But now I'm starting to think like, how much of it is that? And how much of it is just these are two different plants with the same name? Well, in my example, I can tell you for, for sure. I know it was from the same plant, you know, because right. the same flower that I just grown for myself. So I know for sure. And in, in that instance, at least I know it's very small sample size, right? I've had that same thing. Right. Happen well, that's, you hand it around to 10 people at a party and they're all smoking the same drink. Right. And then one dude gets real paranoid. One dude passes out. Everybody else is eating munchies. And it's like eight out of 10 people got munchies. One dude's paranoid. One dude's passed out. So it's like we have the extremes and then we've got like the average as an example. But it's it really I do think uh, it can be both. It can be like, oh, I thought yeah. I had Gorilla Glue, but I got it from Crop King Seeds, who is just a knockoff artist, and they don't really even have the Gorilla Glue, but you think it's Gorilla Glue because it's sold as GG4, but it's a seed. And you not GG4 is a specific cutting. So if you're buying GG4 seeds, you're just getting ripped off. And people then say, hey, I got some GG4 flour, and they hand it to people on you might, if, if you've had you before smelling, like, what the fuck is this? Uh, and it might not be the real thing. Or maybe you might just accept it as GG4 and then be like, oh, wow, my experience with GG4 was really uplifting and it didn't have good pain relief. And it's like, what? And everyone else is like, oh, dude, it's for me, it's sedating and it, it offers a lot of pain relief. But again, even that, like if you have legit GG4, maybe some people it is uplifting to them. And I think a lot of people that actually, um, if you, it's one of those strains, I think if you, it's, I'd fall under like the hybrid. If you have like a small amount or a, decent dose of it it can kind of be uplifting or stimulating but if you have a ton of it it'll kind of put you on the couch in, in my own personal experience and what i've heard from others but it is one of those things where it's i think a cross-section of the endocannabinoid system being unique to each individual and each individual like we're just all very unique little snowflakes i guess but um in, in a and, and real tolerance is a big part of that right like I mean, some people, if you have the same kind of dose, if you share a joint with somebody or whatever, like I'd be kind of fine. I'd be pretty much the way I was going into that joint, I would think. But some other people might be like on their asses, right? Like if they had that much. So 
like or even less affected than me, I guess. So I, I think that that's, even though we might be kind of pushed in the same direction, I think that, yeah, your experience and your tolerance with it are going to have pretty big effects on sort of how you experience things. I think that's certainly fair to say. Noah or uh, Matthew, do you have any thoughts on kind of the way that, do you think it's more something that it's people's unique cannabinoid system or it could just be the variance from one strain to another? Hey, can you say that first part again? Do you think that the different experiences individuals are having when they're using cannabis is more related to their own unique endocannabinoid system, like their, uh, I guess, chemistry within their body? Or is it more related to the different plants and the different expressions and things like that generally? Would you uh, think it's one or the other? They're all going by like the same name. Yeah. When two people smoke blueberry and one person says it's this and one person says it's that, one person says it's uplifting and the other person says it's sleepy. Do you suspect that that's because of their unique endocannabinoid systems or because they just, you know, experience two different plants, maybe grown in different ways? And maybe there's not that much similarity in what we call blueberry. Oh, that's a really great question. I feel as though I want to say, you know, like there's so many examples where it could be the first part. It could be that the plants have been grown differently, right? Because some of these plants are not really well um, standardized, right? So like yeah, and it is true. And like harvest grow, time it, alone, I think, right? Like, yeah. is it harvested oh, yeah. a week early or two well, weeks? Blueberry is a good example. There's blueberry sativa, yeah. which is a, a strain of blueberry that is very uplifting. And then there's the DJ short blueberry is more traditionally like an indica because the roots that it came from to use those maybe old school standards more like uplifting versus sedating, I guess, would be the other way of saying it. But those are definitely different genetics. Like um, Coma Creations has a blueberry sativa IBL and then DJ Short has like a F4, F5 blueberry, which it's not an IBL, but, you know, pretty uh, narrowed down on both of those lines to one is going to be very, very much what it is. And the other one's going to be very much the opposite thing. And so in that example, the blueberry doc gave is a good one because it could be genetic, but even like the same bag of flour given to people can. Right. Yeah. And that, in that example, it's clearly sort of something about them. And then it could be all sorts of things about them. Even their mood that day, I I think can affect sort of how you experience the the cannabis. So I I was going to say, yeah, like to me, I feel like, and, and even as far like I would also say that I don't even think it's necessarily the endocannabinoid system itself, but I would agree with the term, you know, the, the person's physiology. And yeah. also, like you say, their mood. So like, I mean, I bring it up every time we talk about this kind of thing, but like my buddy Manuel, uh, you know, he drink coffee to go to sleep. Most people drink coffee to stay awake. The fact that we can have that difference uh, with people you know, and like some people are allergic to things that they aren't to others. And, you know, so I feel like, and what you've eaten or experienced recently will also have that effect. So definitely I I do feel like both are at play, but I kind of, I want to say that if we control for those harvest dynamics, like Koku just said, I want to say, you know, people are different, certainly um, in that way, physiologically. And And we're learning more and more about that. But chemotype is definitely a factor as well. Yeah, yeah I agree. With but if they're the same, that. yeah. Set and setting, I think, is something that comes to mind. Uh, a lot of people use, usually refer to that with like 
hallucinogenic type drugs, but I think even cannabis, um, it's labeled a mild hallucinogen in certain uh, settings and uh, it can be a lot of actually different things and, and yeah. it's a mild drug. Uh, a lot of things the sentence and like would be sort of kind of breaking up Jack. positive one unfortunately i don't think we understood most of that at least i i didn't understand yeah same that. here i was wondering if it was my connection was going or if it was, uh -oh. it was... I... warning are you back instability warning yeah can you know? no. build verizon commercial you're, you're just <laughs> cutting in and out i like it better when you go silent and then it comes back with like compressed rapid fire jack like <laughs> Catches us up. that that's my favorite one this is this is worse this is off going like that's all we're hearing right now yeah oh, no, he's sound like a daft punk song <laughs> <laughs> i do the daft punk I think Jack is also now frozen. Oh, now he's just like a frozen head. Uh, yeah. Anyways, we'll all fall apart here without Jack. Yeah. I mean, I did, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. Oh, are you there? I said darn AT&T. <laughs> no, he's still, he's still on the fritz. And I think also, I'll also say like, you know, something as easy as like tolerance can really play a big deal, right? So like you got two different yeah. people, you know, there's where like the endocannabinoid system plays a big, big part, right? Like if one person's yeah. more of a, you know, lighter smoker and another person is not, or if they smoke flour versus concentrate, you know, that'll probably have a big effect. Certainly. Tolerance for I, I think set and setting is a huge part of what Jack was saying there. Um, there's been interesting studies on, on alcohol and how much your mood and place and, and who's around you and all of that affect how the same alcohol affects you. Like having a glass of wine when you're like, you know, cuddling up with a book at night or something and having a glass of wine when you're about to like go out with your friends or something like the same glass of wine has a very different measurably different effect on on the same individual so um yeah but i think that there's a lot of that in cannabis i mean i i know there is in sort of my own damn self the same sort of strain that will make me really happy if i'm like in a pissy mood it's not gonna like sort of get me all the way there again you know my my mood is gonna affect that experience with it yeah, that like uh, that nice cocktail of chemicals that are being excreted out, right? Like into your body. Yeah. It's definitely going to affect that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, because you... all that mixes in, in your brain or wherever else it mixes, right? It's not just the cannabis that's affecting your system. It's also, you know, the fact that like, you know, something bad happened to you. You got fired or your dog died or something. I mean, those things could really add, like affect you or you just got a promotion or something happened yeah. good that like, you know, puts you in a different way or your friends coming to visit or something. And it's it just all these things really put a charge into our system in different ways. Definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's not as cut and dry and people will love to simplify it, but like, you know, it is not that simplifiable. I think that's anyways is jack back jack look like looks like you know, no because spartan grown is now the host he's gone See, how's hey host spartan 
Yeah, how's the responsibility always going to me? That's not even cool. <laughs> Zoom knows. Zoom knows. It knows that the rest of us are like, mm. it knows that I'll Zoom give looks up the around the room is like, easy. man, I have to make one of these people the host now. <laughs> it knows that I'll drop it with a heartbeat. It's not the gun about the gates, I guess, huh? Usually, we'll see if Jack comes back here. Wait, we'll I think I can figure it out. Back. So we might have to you got any questions for us. Our fearless leader has left the building. So we're sort of like on our own. No, know? I'm the host. Uh, what do of... you, what did you start growing this, this run here, Dr. Coco? What did I start growing? Yeah. Um, I dropped eight seeds on uh, my show last Monday. So I did the, the first ever sort of Ask Dr. Coco show last Monday. And I'm going to grow these. I'm going to like do a little check in on them every week um i grew two lava cake two apple fritter um two um oh crap now alaska thunderfuck and uh two mimosa and the plan was to do eight in my four by two um in one yawn pots so like one square foot per plant but i already I, I lost one of the apple fritters, unfortunately. I'm going to have to do a little check-in on my show tomorrow. So this is a, a good opportunity for me to do a shameless plug for my new show tomorrow, which everybody's <laughs> invited to. Um, it's a Zoom webinar, though, so you got to get the link and go and join us on Zoom. I'm not broadcasting it on YouTube. Everybody's going to be on Zoom, and you'll be able to ask questions and upvote the questions other people ask and stuff like that. And I'll check in on my my plants and I'll explain <laughs> that apple fritter. Explain what I is, did to the apple fritter. The, the apple fritter, I'll tell you right now, is such a finicky plant for me personally. The, the cut that I have of it, <laughs> it is. Uh, I'll, there, there'll be runs where I'll be like, man, I can't believe I'm growing this. And then the next one, it's like, this is phenomenal. So it has a lot of variance. That one does. Yeah, this, I, I mean, it never really got a chance to show me its variance, um, but I still have one and I've never grown apple fritter before, so I'm I'm going to do my best to keep the other one alive. I have one other of the eight. It's one of the uh, lava cakes, I think. Um, that seems a little bit reluctant at this point to become a plant um so we might end up with only six out of this gal but i i still think there's a chance for seven there's definitely that, that other apple fritters is not gonna make a recovery <laughs> anyways that's that's what i'm growing now i'm excited i've never grown that kind of density in a tent before so um even six in a four by two i mean six in a four by four seems pretty crazy dense to me yes it does you better uh not veg too long no, I mean, my plan here is probably to, they're almost a week old now, and they're still just like little sprouts. I potted them up in the seedling container. Some they've got, you know, their first nodes coming in at this point, little got wet last Monday. So they're still pretty young. I think by next Monday, so like eight days from now, I may flip them. Um, sort of depends. I might run them a couple more days. So I'll talk about that and get some feedback from people tomorrow on the show too, in terms of, should I top them now and do six topped plants um, or six untopped plants in a four by two? Uh, I, I think there's room for that it would require like three or four extra days in veg. 
So if you're interested in this and you want to see my little plants, tune into the show tomorrow. I, I think I can put the link in in the the live chat here for just a yeah. Zoom link. So you have to have Zoom and come in that way. And it's a lot of fun. It's kind of private. It's not broadcast, so we can like get down and dirty with it and and tell it how it really is. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. So I will. I'll go ahead and post that link in the chat. So I can yeah, assume no these plants are going to be grown in living soil? Um, you, you can assume <laughs> that my plants are going to be grown in cocoa. Of course. I'm joking. I'm joking. I am Dr. MJ Coco. <laughs> yeah. Um, my plants. Yeah. But the other thing I'm going to do on my show, I'm going to have a guest garden tour um, come on our week. And I'm definitely interested in having people growing in different media and you know, doing things in different ways. I think that that's one of the the interesting things about the growing community. Oh, so, there's so much interesting about it, and growing different mediums is is awesome. It's awesome that we got a cocoa grower like you here, and you know, a lot of weeks Brandon Rust and Spartan, and I'm different than all you guys, and that's what makes growing so interesting and so fun. And it's awesome to hear everybody's perspectives. Lots of options. I got a question for you guys as growers, because I'm in a situation right now where I'm kind of uh, in between two things. Um, like week eight-ish going into nine with Velvet Punch F3, and they're about trichome ready as far as harvest time. I could let them go a couple more days, but the leaf is getting to the point where like certain parts of it are senescing pretty well. You're getting lots of nice purples coming in, and I could let it probably go like one more week and purple up more or just take it. And uh, I'm kind of interested to hear what you guys would do. Would you let it just keep riding and senesce? Or are you going to take it at the what you kind of feel like is is your harvest time in the window? It's seeming fairly proper, but you know, if you let it go a little longer, you're probably going to get a little bit more color or things like that. Does that even matter? Do you even worry about that? Not, I, not the color isn't the reason I'm really doing it. I think something about when the plant senesces, um, it, finishing up that process works well. And uh, it sometimes makes the smoke smoother or taste better or whatever it is but that's so a unique question part of this is it's going longer than you expected would you push it one week longer to get it to kind of senesce more or would you take it if it's like seemingly ready i would i would take it if it's seemingly ready probably i mean if all the other indications of harvest are sort of lining up um but I don't think there's some magic in senescence and it depends on what you're looking for though, too. I don't think there's a right answer to this question necessarily, Jack, but um, I don't think it, it may very well same. depend on strain and what you're looking for to sort of maximize what ratio you want in different strains or things like that. Too. I agree. I, I just want to, oh, I was just going to say, I don't think they all senesce the same, you know, for that, for that matter. Right. So like, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, and it's kind of unfortunate because um, kind of like in the same way as like, if you know, like if it's new to you, you won't let, maybe even know yourself or experience it, but you might have heard from people who have grown it. Like in the same way that if you expect a plant to grow tall and you know that, and then, you know, if it's not growing tall, maybe there's something weird going on, but like you kind of can't know like what's going to be the first time you harvest it. And, you know, maybe you'll find that, well, you won't know. You can't go back in time and retest it. So, but yeah, like I don't. I agree with Dr. Cook. I don't know if there's like a, a specialness in senescence that can always be like um, uh, expected or calculated or whatever. There might be some trends, 
but I don't know if you could really say that they're the same across all the different cultivars out there. I just wanted to actually kind of build on what Matthew's saying there. And I, I was going to say that, you know, there's kind of a danger. There is going too far. There, there is that. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with pretty much. I'm just going to echo everybody else. If you think it's ready now, I would take it now because you have to remember light and, uh, you know, just the light itself is going to start degrading some of the trichomes, you know, they're not all exactly the same maturity. So if you push a little bit longer, you're going to push some into the too mature and uh, all of them are going to be exposed to more light. All of them are going to, you're going to be burning off more terpenes in the, in the heat. Um, so taking it now might preserve some of those terpenes or volatile compounds that we don't really have a way of tracking right now. You know, um, if you get too far in the plant, uh, life cycle it might get to the point where those volatile compounds aren't being produced anymore and you kind of missed the window on it so i would go in my gut and if you think it's ready now i would go now so i'll i'll just uh say i've grown velvet punch f1 f2 and f3 this is the second run they're not clones but what i do know is um if i was growing it longer it'd probably be just to get more purple out of it for the photogenic effects and, and thinking maybe that there is some extra benefit the reason I am pretty confident it would just go more purple, but it's not really going to benefit me very much. What I think happened in my stress testing run, because things didn't line up as well, it didn't yield as well, it didn't finish as fast. Um, it was more of like a nine, 10 weeker. And like when a breeder gives out like an estimate, sometimes they give you the optimistic, like if you crushed it, did everything right, it's probably going to be done at eight and a half weeks with the velvet punch. But I'm not going to call it an eight and a half week strand. I call it a nine to 10 week because um, I personally like it at a full nine when things like, most of the time, like I said earlier, you're not going to get that 10 out of 10. This time, I'm pretty damn close to that 10 out of 10. I was fucking on top of it. I was here. I did it. I dialed everything in. Like, this was the run. Things are looking fucking amazing. I did my, finally did my drought stress. And when I was fucking plucking a leaf, leaf off, it went from like, you know, being pretty sticky to like my arm is covered in super glue now. And uh, the plants are perfectly where I want them. And um, what Spartan, you said something really that I would agree with. And I've done this mistakenly in the past. I think I let it go a little bit too long uh, because I'm like, well, hey, sedating, that's fine. I don't really care that much if it's more sedative. But what I missed out on is the flavor. If you harvest velvet punch a little bit earlier, the methylanthranolate is higher. It's more of a sweet candy grape versus later, it becomes more of like a wine complex. Um, you get more earthy, gassy stuff. But the earlier harvest, you're going to get more of that sweet, sweet grape, but um, maybe not as much punch in the face <laughs> as far as like the potency. So it's a, a balance. It's like a dance. You want to get it where you still got enough of that sweetness, but you've also got some of the uh, oomph behind it, so to speak. And I've always called purple punch, purple punch lists. If you take it before like eight and a half, nine weeks, a lot of people like take it at uh, week five, six, seven. And people are like week five, no way, dude. Go look at Indiva 710's page. Like he has pictures of day 34 purple punch that look better than a lot of people's harvests do. And that plant is unbelievable how good it looks, how soon it looks, how much frost it packs on soon and tau who is not with us tonight but he said one of his like crops he had to for whatever reason cut down at like day 35 some dude bought like a gram or ounce or something i don't want to say bought <laughs> whatever happened he somebody got a little bit of it and really loved it and they wanted to procure all of it because it was so good and they didn't know that it was a day 35 harvest so for some people like that might just be the thing so i'm not uh, afraid to take it a little bit earlier especially with i love my little herbs now device i'll plug them shout out to scott from herbs now he's now i think uh, making them in the u.s so cheers to that at least the trays the green new green trays and uh 
I've tried a bunch of different process for trying. And that one's the one that I really like. People still ask me about it. I'm like, go look at my post. <laughs> and I wrote up everything, like how I use it and what I think about it on there on Instagram. So definitely a cool process. And yeah, the harvest. Also from a production point of view, if you are running a perpetual and you got one behind, it's close. You think it's you're, you're going with your gut. Obviously, you don't want to pull it early. But if it's that close, you just anytime you can shave off, you'd be surprised. You do that five, six times in a couple of years. You almost got a week. Um, from a production point of view, you know, sometimes, you know, you want to, if it's close and you think it's like debatable, then lean on the side of pulling it down and starting over again and uh, running that next harvest. That's a good point. Got to get the Spartan growing seeds in there as soon as possible. I got some, uh, not going to say too much because sometimes not for any reason to the breeder, but like I pop a bunch of different seeds and I pick the ones that do the best in my environment. So like, it'll probably be some of Spartan seeds and some of the other stuff, but I'm curious to see what makes the uh, final gauntlet through my uh, flower chamber. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm excited to see that stuff in my next crop, but the, I've been so obsessed with velvet punch for years and years, and it's just been fun to see how it develops. And uh, really, I, I was kind of slacking a little bit. I was uh, working really hard in my day-to-day -day life and not working really hard in my garden life. So uh, I got behind and I'd mentioned it even on the show, probably weeks or months past. And since then I've been kicking myself in the butt. The reason I put it out there is because like to publicly not like shame myself, but to hold myself accountable. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be the fucking one who's slacking, uh, try and be the inspiration for the people to do it right when I can. And now that I've had some time and have been able to make that time, it feels damn good when you do it right. And you put everything together and you have a fucking killer harvest. And, um, the other thing that I'll advocate because I haven't been doing this as much, like uh, Noah said, if it was a perpetual harvest, if I had everything lined up, which I should have popped seeds earlier, should have had plants vegging sooner. So uh, always even as good as you could be doing on the flower, you got to keep everything going right in the veg too. So it's a constant reminder that, like I said, even if you have like a close to 10 out of 10, sometimes I didn't uh, get my veg lined up as soon as I should have. So there's always something we could be better at and uh, it makes it so fun. It's like a juggling act, but there's always something to tend to, whether it's failed equipment, uh, you know, herm gear, uh, a yeah. male test that came back as a female or something like that. And you get a plant that's a male that you thought was a female type thing. That's a, there's a whole lot of different challenges that can rear your head that make growing something that you have to really pay attention to and, and dedicate a lot of time and effort to, to do it well. I just dropped, I'm excited. I dropped, I've got in flower now I've got well, they're early. I just flipped them not that long ago, but I got two of the uh, Spartan Pukes, which is the Dinyberger Vortex Cross, and two of the uh, Snow Devils. That's actually the one I'm, as they're growing and as I'm looking at them, man, I'm I'm really thinking that the Snow Devil is kind of a sleeper fucking badass because just the way the the Snow King had such good plant structure, and it's and that's my biggest biggest weakness i think to vortex is a kind of, there's a lot of phenos in the vortex that like to be that viney kind of growing where they've got a lot of lateral branches that don't really want to um grow like praying arms they want to grow straight out and spread way out you know and so um so this the way that the the snow cane brought that snow cane cross brought some some of that plant structure i'm like oh god this is, this could be good you know so i'm not gonna lie i've been kind of those have been kind of my favorites the whole time. So I might've been giving them a little extra love who knows, but uh, I'm super excited to see these things grow and flower <clears throat> and watching everybody, you know, in the community grow them too. the testers, like Lone Star, just shout, shout him out in the chat. He's a, uh, he say he dropped four strains from four breeders and project B's definitely stood out as the plumpest and stripest. 
I'm not even going to say that that's my, <laughs> my work. Cause that all, all that was, was a open pollination and vortex. So that's TGA, you know what I mean? That's TGA genetic stint, you know, and everybody knows that that's, that's some good respected stuff. So um, it doesn't surprise me that that was his results. I'm happy to hear it for sure. TGA, uh, so cool, great stuff for a long time. Some of my favorite, probably like several of my top 10 strains are from that per per particular breeder. So shout out to Subcool and all the work that he did while I was here. I want to ask Noah the Groa, because uh, I cut out there for a second. You showed off your garden. I know it's kind of early in flower. What are you thinking about that triple burger so far? Because I'm just a burger fanatic. I love Donnie Burger. I love Han Solo Burger. I love anything. I even like GMO. I mean, coming out of Skunk House. So what do you think? Uh, you know, just like you said, it's... Uh... Sorry to cut you off. It's uh, it's week, you know, two or basically start of week three. So it, it looked the structure looks pretty good. Bud sites are forming pretty well, but it's one of my first times running a burger strain. But I know about Donnie Burger, and I've heard you know everybody talk about it, and so I was excited to get it, and I'm I'm very excited to run it. I got uh, clones backlogged of it, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out real quick. I think it's just like more and more GMO baked in. Like I think that it went like double burger and then triple burger, and like. Donnie Burger is like a GMO back cross. It's like GMO cross the GMO cross the Larry OG F8. So it's like yeah, I a think lot. Donnie is, it's so it's Han Solberger, which is what GMO to Larry. Larry, yeah. And then so he crossed that's Han to Solberger. Then they took Han Solberger back cross that to GMO. That's Donnie Burger. Right, right. And then I don't so, know where it goes from there. I couldn't, the double burger was back to <laughs> Han Solo or something got in there. And yeah. Then back to GMO. I, I don't know. It's lots of that like really loud, like funky, somewhat garlicky, gassy, just like absurdly potent though. Like some of my, as far as like, if we're talking about raw potency, that's like top 10 raw potency, the Donnie burger for me. It's, really that's uh, why that was the why i had to do the vortex and die burger because vortex was by far the, the strongest potency as far as sativa as potency i've ever experienced and donnie is the the i would say it's still hybrid it was, i wouldn't say it was indica but pretty close to indica leaning i guess to me so to slam them together i just like i can't wait to smoke that and see what it's like I'm curious, like how it'll lean flavor wise and uh, high, like if it'll be more uplifting or more sedating or a combination. And uh, if, if that potency can stick through, which I imagine fire across the fire usually makes more fire. And Josie alluded to that because people like to give him a hard time for it being uh, Herm. But he's like, everything I had in my room was fire. And we grew out the seeds to find that they were non-Herm. And I will say Chef Anna had the same experience where, or not Chef Anna, uh, Chef OMJ where the dark ghost train haze hermed on like seven or eight out of nine growers in the cocoa for cannabis grow off. And chef said, fuck it, I'll grow them out. Popped all those seeds, didn't find a single herm in the offspring. Uh, and then I just heard a story of the same exact thing last night from uh, Garden of the Major, uh, Major General 420 Army. Mm -hmm. He had a buddy who had some herm seeds, grew out the offspring, not a single herm. So they're like, is it like a recessive thing? Or was it just maybe that the run before had a lot more stress or something? So it, it's curious to me that sometimes that can happen. You basically get fem seeds that don't have a high propensity of herming despite coming from a herm plant, which like begets like is kind of a phrase passed around the breeding community. And you would think, you know, coming from that parent that it would be more likely. And I'm personally of the belief that all cannabis is uh, dioecious and will herm under enough stress so it doesn't shock me when stuff herms uh, a lot of people get really upset about it but um, so many different things can trigger it from light leaks to small pots overfeeding 
Um, I mean, any number of stressors. Kyle Breeder cut out like, I think he said like 85 or 90% of the seeds that he tried popping because they would just immediately harm underneath his um, stress testing conditions. But he used that like 10% that didn't to make his breeding stock so that hopefully it's more resilient to at least those types of stressors that he deliberately put them through. But even then, I think that there's the potential if you hit it with silver thiosulfate or colloidal silver, that's a level of stressor that will probably reverse most plants into making male pollen sacs. And it's within the genetic code of all cannabis, I believe, because it's a survival technique. It wants to be able to, if it's the only plant in a field, pollinate itself and plant seeds there for the next year to keep on growing. So that might be a controversial take for some people, but I just think uh, hermaphrodite cannabis is something that we'll probably never get away from unless we start maybe doing like GMO breeding or some type of altering of the genetic pool in a way that makes it literally impossible or becomes like a monoecious plant, I think is the term. Or the only real reason that we care so much is because the pollination creates seeds and we want sensimia. Um, it'll be interesting to see if there becomes other ways to breed for sensimia. And uh, I think we would care much less than about the occasional pollen sac. And that would actually sort of open up interesting opportunities for a lot of strains or combinations that people are a little bit scared of now because of their tendency to harm. Um, so that'd be interesting. I think there's a lot of interesting things in, in breeding to come. There's two terms, parthenocarpy and then like sperminocarpy, which is like two different types of ways to have plants that either like can't be pollinated or if they're pollinated, they make like yep. little white immature seeds that won't be viable. Um, yep. aka a sterile plant in, in multiple different types breeder steve actually tried to do this i think if you like s1 s2 certain varieties of cannabis he started finding a lot of them to be sterile or they would no longer produce pistols or stigma that thing that the pollen hits to go into and impregnate the plant and make seed but i think that you're right doc that probably from a commercial perspective and even like home grower perspective somebody's going to probably figure that out and then start breeding it into like how we have autoflowers right now yeah like the autoflowering trait has been mixed into photo periods. It, it, it's, there's different ways absolutely to do it. But yeah, the female infertility, I, we, we've talked about that, this on this show before. It, cannabis is like the only crop that I can think of that this is really the only way that we can control the production of seeds is by the absolute prohibition of pollen. It's just not economically viable to do that for most crops and when they do do that or when they have to really restrict pollen spread because of um you know breeding projects with other promiscuous crops like a lot of expense goes in to, to sort of set up these controlled cultivations for the reproduction uh, like nobody grows like that every day it's just ridiculously expensive there's just better ways to to create, but yet we have a lot of ways of seedless watermelon and seedless grapes and seedless oranges and seedless lots of things. None of that is by like absolutely preventing male pollen from being present in those orchards. They're, they're salt in, in different ways and not all sort of the same breeding way either. Um, so it'll be interesting. And I, I hope something comes along like that because I do think we could cross that into some different strains and then potentially grow some things that, you know, would have been a little bit too dangerous to grow in other situations. The the thing is like pollen, I was looking into reports, like I, I just saw an article about pine pollen and how it traveled a 
hundred miles, like in a wind, like down a mountain all the Sorry, way. Sorry, just... I didn't get I didn't get that number. What was it? One thousand one hundred miles. Huh. I believe it. And so, and like it, I've told the story in the past about how it's gone from uh, Morocco to Spain, cannabis pollen specifically, and pollinated plants that they genetically tested. Oh, this was from Spain and went over to Morocco, and or vice versa, and that went over water and like. Nighttime is the the most likely candidate because when the sun's not out and shining, sterilizing that pollen in the air, like it can fly that distance and still be viable. So it's uh pretty and like Doc was saying, it's just not viable if you're growing outdoor, even in a greenhouse, to be so controlled that you're gonna eliminate all pollen from getting in. So if somebody figured out that non-pollinatable cannabis female trait that they could breed into all of our favorite cuts or whatever. And then you could just grow it outdoors and never have seeds or very little, like maybe a one seed in an ounce, like a tiny little, I think people would be accepting of that. Like when you get a seedless watermelon, you get tiny little white seeds and stuff and you might right. not have a black seed, but you, and seedless oranges, you get the same thing. Tiny little white seeds, they're not going to germinate. They're tiny and you might even eat it, not even notice it, but they're in there and they don't have to negate every single pollen, uh, you know, yeah. back from getting into their cultivation. Going forward, this is going to be a huge issue as legal regimes open up and potentially allow sort of commercial cannabis to be grown at scale outdoors. This is going to be an issue that keeps a lot of cultivation indoors under artificial lighting in a much less sustainable way. We'll be controlling for Sinsemia if, if that's still sort of the only way we can do that because it's a lot harder to, to really ensure that and it's going to become harder if people are growing more pollinating crops outdoor like him and if if we demand sensimia because i wonder yeah, if that trend yeah. is going to be around in 50 years like are is it going to be all concentrate a lot of people are hitting pens now uh, yeah that, that's also true right how much is this just going to sort of get thrown out the window and when, when we abandon sensimia because we abandon the flower market um or, or like moroccan hash is seeded moroccan Moroccan plants are seeded as hell. Like when you see them making it over there in the Rift Mountains, there's people. You thresh there's, it, right? There's stick. There's, yeah, it over screens and things like that, but they're dry sifting. And when you pull out the the material, there's leaf, there's bud, there's seeds, there's stems, everything is in there. And mm. then they sift it out through, a, you know, varying levels of uh, different micron screens to get the, you know, they get their purest stuff earliest. And they keep on beating it to get their different commercial grades up until the point that it's like almost green. And that stuff is like the cheapest, shittiest stuff. But then they keep like the white cream early stuff for themselves. But even then, like it's pollinated. They keep the best uh, seeds from the best plants each year, right. but they're pollinating. They're It's not like they're going through and doing sensi out in the Rift Mountains in Morocco. And most of these okay. Af Afghan or hash producing countries, those are all seeded buds. I mean, for the most part. So the the trichomes that come off them are still potent and people still enjoy it it's it's still to this day some of the most famous stuff like i had a i was on a show with captain 420 um fucking talking shit with eagles um weed nerd world and captain 420 was bragging about this uh moroccan hash that he got imported uh there's a, apparently a lot being imported to thailand and he happened to get some of it and said it was very good and it's still happening you know it's been happening for generations the video we were talking about this guy had been doing it for 30 years and his dad before him had been doing it for probably 50 or 60 his grandpa before him was doing it for another 50 or 60 so it's a long tradition passed down for a long time and it's cool to see that it still exists and people are still enjoying the quality of hash and it's making its way all around the world there's a big overlap between people who um you know it's very interesting because there's like there's sort of a dichotomy here where like on the one hand like Dr. Coco said, you know, uh, it would require people, if we can't do that, 
then it will require people to have to grow indoors, not, not, not nearly as sustainable as outside. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people who might find um, perturbation, not myself, but other people who would, that like it would be somehow not natural or not as it should be to uh, breed those genes or, um, or have that sort of uh, breeding occur. So I, mean, I guess question, that depends on how you breed that, though. Do you find like seedless grapes yeah. to be an abomination I, of nature, though? Right? See, like, I would, I would, I've met people who would. No, no, no. I totally agree yeah. with you. It does. It, I mean, if it was GMO, it. if it was done with CRISPR or other things, I can understand people objecting. I understand that, that too. On the technology or if it's the only grounds. thing. If you can still make I, regular seeds and make your own cannabis seeds, that's great. But if the only cannabis seed that somehow becomes available is the non-pollinatable female, then you have to buy seeds yeah. every single time and then they can regulate it into a position. But yeah. at, there's so yeah. much out there. It's like impossible. It's so hard to yeah. lock up genetics. It's not that, that they're going to sweep up all the rest of the seeds and say, no, you can't have any of these anymore. You can only have these ones. They're just going to make another product available and people are going to choose to buy that product because it has advantages over the other products on the market. And exactly, you know, the reality is that in generations, if every grower makes that decision, then yeah, those other varieties won't be available anymore. But that's because generations of farmers all chose something else. And usually when generations of farmers all make the same decision, they're not like totally wrong. Um, so, <laughs> People miss a lot of apple varieties is like the argument against it. It's like, oh, there's only Very five true. commercial apple varieties and there was hundreds back a uh, hundred years ago. And so there yeah. is a, a balance point where you got to try and maybe I still know people that grow like varieties of corn that are beautiful. They have like rainbow corn and these different random corns and you don't see it commercially. But here in California, there's like rare fruit societies. It's not commercially and rare... viable. Right. I, I agree so you're basically that. asking, this is one of the issues of the farmers I work with in Southern Mexico who grow corn that's very sort of important to all of humanity because it's the, it's one of the sources of, there you go. It's one of the sources of, of um, domestication or it's sort of close to the source of original domestication of corn. And it's a big biological hotspot. There's a lot of genetic diversity. And when we want to breed new varieties of corn, like that's where you go to get the land race varieties that, you know, have the genetic diversity that we'd be able to play with in the corn biome. But like the farmers oftentimes want to switch to grow like a, a variety of something that's going to make more money. Um, and if we want them to grow these other varieties, they're sort of like important for patrimony of, of humanity or whatever. Like we got to pay them for that. They're not just going to mm -hmm. do it out of like the kindness of their hearts. They're going to want to sort of make the best economic decisions for their own farms and their own families. And the fact of the matter is like crop genetic preservation, you're usually growing like weird things that don't have a lot of marketability and, you know, I mean, it, we depend for so many crops like this on on poor peasant communities that are growing these crops for sustenance, like the corn farmers that I worked with. Um, nobody's paying them to do that. So it might not feel like the right decision for us as a whole, like we lost these varieties, but it's because the individual farmers wanted to grow something that would sell and that they'd be able yeah. to support their families with. And, and some of these obscure varieties that would be really nice to still have around, like we would need to support them somehow if we want them to keep growing those. But I feel like, and yeah, that's kind of why I bring it up because I feel like people don't want to have that talk. They have this sort of ideological desire and i mean everyone everyone who follows me probably knows my opinions about this sort of a thing i i, I feel like it's not fair like dr coco is saying so eloquently oh i saw that light 
Yeah, it was bright, uh, man. I'm like a vampire melting over here. <laughs> but you know, it just seems like it's like, okay, so which one's the lesser of the two evils? Is it grow everything indoor in a terribly, terribly unsustainable fashion? Or, you know, not through transgenics, but through breeding, you know, have uh um you know pollen or have plants that won't uh, uh pollinate or however that you know is achieved. And I feel like and also, like you say, you know, in order for us to actually have those things that people really want, but aren't as economically viable, well, like, you know, are you ready to have that conversation? How are we going to compensate that? And uh, we should create a fund, man, like a fund to, to there you pay go. cannabis farmers to grow like weird cannabis plants that nobody really wants. And grow in haze, I love bro. Grow that 16 week sativa. Keep it alive, man. Right. Like the 16 years, absolutely, that are uneconomical to grow. I love the experimental stuff. Bring back the um, ancient that's... grains. Uh, it's yeah. grown. This is the time, actually. I know it's kind of maybe it feels like to me because I got cut out for like a few minutes there, but it flew by. This is a four year anniversary, but you know this for four years, the show growing with my fellow growers. I'm going to pass it to Spartan Grown because I know you got to get running over to a show that actually came out of the creation of this show, which is the Michigan Bros Grow Show, which I'm happy is still also continuing on strong. So Spartan Grown, final thoughts and uh, shout out to four years. And I'm just going to shout out everybody here on the show that uh, we just keep it going. I mean, even with, like you'd mentioned already earlier in the show, with the loss of the, the, the host, Shane, you know, we still kept it going. And, you know, my hat's off to you, Jack. You've done a really good job there. And my hat's off to everyone else who, you know, I'd like to just, I mean, I'm not hiding anything. I call you all friends, man. So to me, it's just like adding more friends to my circle. And, uh, it's not even hard coming on anymore. It's something I look forward to, you know, just catching up, seeing what's going on, you know, this week, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much because for me, it's always been a learning experience too. I always feel like I, I'm the guy coming in with the least amount of, uh, you know, knowledge as far as book smarts goes. And uh, to have some stuff validated by somebody who does have that book smarts is, is important to me. So just thank you for that and uh man i can't think of anything else i've been smoking too much today <laughs> so, smoking the but, right uh, amount you could uh you know much love to all you guys and um uh, i just think the like I've, I've said many times before i think we all win this thing by doing what we've always done and that's to keep growing uh this plant at home and to make sure that we have the right to do that so i guess i'll leave with that guys uh much love and we'll see y'all next week Thank you, Girl, Spartan. No, Spartan. Always Later, great. man. I do feel the kind of the same way that he was just talking about. Um, I'm not nervous to do the show. I look forward to it. It's like a, a highlight of the week every week. I enjoy the company of the panel and the chat, the people that show up. It's like a great community. I'm also lucky to call you guys friends. I've met uh, Matthew and uh, Doc in person. Can't wait to meet Noah in person and head out to Michigan someday and meet Spartan and many of the other awesome cannabis community members that are out there. And every time I travel now, it's like, I'm going to post like who lives in this state because I want to link up. Like if you're close yeah. to this city, let's link up because there's so many amazing people out there. And uh, it's just really nice to get to know you guys in person and uh, smoke down and maybe try some of the stuff. They're like, hey, you've taught me this about growing and I want you to try some of this bud. And it's like, that's such a fun experience. And even if it's not that, like uh, I was growing 10 years before the show, <laughs> like I want to show you what I got type thing. Like it's, it's nice when we get to cross paths and uh, really come together as a community and, and share what we all love, which is uh, this plant and the 
love behind it, growing it, uh, sharing it with friends, family, and uh, speaking about it every week for a few hours at a time. It's amazing to think we're 205 episodes in and times two because two hours, that's like 400 plus hours of content where we've talked about cannabis primarily. And I, I think that we, uh, quoting listeners, do a better job than a lot of shows at staying on task and like talking about cannabis. We do stray off sometimes, but we try to get back on path and we try to keep it about growing or like the business of cannabis, the culture of cannabis, the, the laws and things that are related because sometimes you can't avoid the uh, fact that there is regulation and that impacts how many plants you can grow and where you can grow them and how you can grow them. So discuss those types of things because it really impacts the growers' livelihoods and how they can maybe grow or not grow because uh, where they might end up and hopefully not ever in a bad place. Um, if you follow good advice and, you know, do do all the right things that you can. I'll just keep it vague there, but uh, shout out to all the growers in legal states and non-legal states listening out there and in countries all over the world because I know not everybody's got the same situation that we have here in California or where no other grower is at in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I think that we're very fortunate to at least be able to grow some of our plants legally and to be able to hear this information and not have to uh, hide as much anymore. You know, we can uh, come on here and show our faces talk about the plant and uh, interact with the community. And it's something like Spartan said, I look very much forward to. So I'm thankful for all you guys being here. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great show. Good community. Good group here. It was amazing when I started the show, YouTube, the comments, like when I, by the time I even had it loaded and was able to click over to the live chat, there was a whole entire stack of people just like, uh second third first like like congratulations happy anniversary like it was just like flowing already like the second the show started and it just something about consistency when we show up every week at you know roughly four o'clock uh on the west coast and do it for two hours then you got those people that are also going to make this part of their schedule and uh shout out to them like uh chad westport and uh, smart poker crispy wannabe some of the regulars that are jumping in right at the very beginning let's yeah. be buds a great supporter of the channel and we we actually our only ever crossover episode was with Lesby Buds. That was a really fun time doing the, um, you know, fundraising for the uh, Last Prisoner Project over there. That was a really good time. Shout out to Spartan Girls. That was a good show. Yeah, that's, that's a cool thing to remember. I haven't forgot about I kind of forgot about that when we were talking about the best episodes earlier. But that was just this year. I mean, wow, last year, I guess. But like within the year. Anyway, the calendar, I guess. I, or not calendar year, but like the last 365 days. Right. Yeah, that was awesome, man. I learned a lot of actually about, uh, and I'm a fan of The Last Prisoner Project, but I learned more about it, getting to meet somebody who was involved actively and who had done time and got out on behalf of The Last Prisoner Project and now is on the board. Like, really cool to see and to see the community come together, those who were able to donate and write letters, like, really made an impact. So I'm, I'm thankful that we were able to be a small part of what was a really awesome sort of, like, chat-a-thon for cannabis because it still needs to happen, like what we were just talking about earlier. Like, not everybody's in the place where they're able to, and there's a lot of people still locked up. So it was a noble effort, and I think that there's still still much work to be done, and that's why we're going to keep coming back each week doing what we do, talking about it. And, uh, no, I'm curious if you have any thoughts. I know we've got about nine minutes left. Do you guys have anything that we want to touch on before uh, we wrap up the show for this evening i often wonder sometimes if eventually there will be regulations put in place to where they're like hey you can grow cannabis but you can't grow it inside because the energy situation 
I've thought about that a few times and I know it'd be hard to regulate and stuff, but man, I, I wonder sometimes. Indoor horticulture is sort of not very efficient. Right. Um, you know, a few years ago, there's a bunch of companies that, that thought the efficiencies were there and with like robotics and all the rest of this, that they could start providing um, places like New York City and other big cities with urban vertical farming for leafy green vegetables. And they're all going out of business now. They've all run, burned through their, their venture capital money and they're all going out of business. He, it's just there's too much energy basically involved. You can't afford to quite literally keep the lights on. Um, unless you're growing a really high value crop. And I mean, that alone should just tell you something about sort of the, the sustainability of what we're doing here. Like every other crop that's out there is is pretty much, you know, wouldn't be viable to do this because the expense of growing in this way is so high. When you're competing yeah. into a monopoly, that's a legal monopoly, which is the power company, their profit and revenue. It goes up every single year because they can raise the rates every single year and they have no competition. And if you're in San Diego, you got SDG&E, Northern California, you got PG&E. There's one real option. And granted, they did all the, there's a few third-party options that pay to you know run a little bit of power through their lines, but every single year they raise the rates. So as a cultivator of something like leafy greens, it's going to be tough when uh, they don't actually can... raise their profits, though, Jack. There's other reasons that the rates go up. But yeah, it's not a perfect system by any stretch of the imagination. Well, and what I, the thing is, like the beauty, at least for San Diego, 40% of our power comes from solar. So they actually have increased the profits, um, but it's in other ways. Uh, I have rooftop solar, so I don't, I mean, they actually write me a check once a year. I don't have to pay them anything and I run my grow That's the way to go. That's, I mean, power. right. I so there are, there are other sort of ways to, to go about this. That's definitely the way. I mean, if you're going to do indoor horticulture, especially that's essentially you're growing your plants with the sun still, but just in a different avenue, you're having to buy a electric light to run inside with, you know, electricity a lot more technological yeah a lot of yeah. Uh, expenses it's not it's better but it, it sort of shows you like how sort of weird this is because like the the light that hits the solar panels is actually better light than like i converted into in the the tent basically i mean i can control it more in the tent and there's all those advantages too but like the solar panels and and then the leds on the other end like all of that is just sort of extra when we can just grow plants outside of the sun if especially here in san diego county right if it as soon as they let regimes. me as soon as they let me trust me i'll be out there right so that, and, that's uh, the issue um yeah. and indoor horticulture no matter sort of how well you do it it's never going to be as efficient or as sustainable as outdoor horticulture where we're using the sun 100 even those operations that you were talking about with the venture capital that had solar panels on the roof offsetting a huge portion of the cost yeah. it was still not sustainable because it's all the, you're, you're yeah. competing with somebody who's growing a field crop just the square footage even if they grew it in you know uh, a city a state down south and shipped it up north with the shipping costs and everything it's still cheaper for them to produce and transport it than to grow it there in a you know building and uh the local local nature of it i, I appreciate that they were trying to like eliminate food deserts and things like that i think yeah. it came from a, a good place had good intentions but it doesn't always work out and so yeah and you know the interesting part of this that i talk to people about quite a bit also is 
Cannabis farmers are driving technological improvements in indoor horticulture, and there's just no question about it. And to the extent that indoor horticulture ever becomes sort of like really important or like for space travel or Arctic research or whatever it is that we need to do this, it's all getting pushed forward by cannabis growers because cannabis growers are the only ones that can sort of afford to do indoor horticulture at this point because we're growing a crop that's high enough value to, to justify that. LED lights, grow lights are becoming better, sort of all the indoor grow control knowledge and technology and equipment is getting better. It's all getting pushed forward by cannabis growers. So um, they are able to, to sort of grow more efficiently than they would have otherwise been. But yeah, it's, it's still, it's not going to be perfect. It's funny. There's also tangential benefits. Our cell phones flashes are brighter and this tiny little flashlight that I'm holding right here has a single tiny little chip on board cob with like a reflector. And this thing is so much brighter than the battery D cell bang light I had as a kid growing up that you could like whack somebody over the head with or whatever. But that thing put out barely any oh, light. It was like too. 10 pounds, you yeah. know, but this thing will put out a cannon of light and it's the tiniest little diode. It's unbelievable to me. Like I've yeah. seen this technology in my lifetime tangibly get, and same with grow lights, yeah. but like it is insane that then the give us the the give us the self-defense the two hits oh yeah it's so bright that it literally it blows my clocking device (laughs) you should use that when you need to get off camera jack because that totally just makes you disappear so there you go and now we can see your logo and everything your name that's funny funny because it like lights up my whole entire room it's uh it, it overstimulates the camera it washes it out very quickly and even in the daytime, like something like this, if you hit somebody in the eyes, if you're trying to get away from a crazy person and don't want to, you know, make contact, it's a mind blowing how it's tiny, it's tiny, 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 like it fits in your pocket easily. Real power and something... comes real responsibility, Jack. Don't blind people. <laughs> well, that's I, true. Do it doesn't cause permanent blindness. It's only the temporary stunning effect. It, it, like the amount. Photonic you... barrier. To create permanent damage on somebody with uh, light is actually a, a pretty tall task. You don't want to look at grow yeah. lights, I'll say that. But <laughs> that's true. But you can temporarily blind people like the LED headlights can, if they're not aimed in the right place. You ever get a car that's much taller than the car you're in or whatever with oh, geez, LED headlights yeah. can blind you. Yeah. Yes. I just have to like turn my mirrors, like I, I fold them in, or I'll just like my rear view mirror, I'll have to like. Re- turn it so it's not reflecting into my eyes because like you're saying like a larger car and especially when they hit like a speed bump it like flashes just straight in your eyes and uh, it's very debilitating i guess but with that said we got two minutes left and i want to pass it to dr mj and we'll run a little longer if we need to but uh, for our final thoughts and shout outs on this four-year anniversary absolutely guys happy anniversary all everybody in the the growing with my fellow growers community panel chat listeners later to the show it's been a a real privilege and an honor to be on this show for the last four years um and yeah i think we're we're still trucking along i think we're all still enjoying the show um i'll tell you about i'm starting a new show the the ask dr coco show it's going to be a zoom webinar tomorrow's show is free to everybody i'll post the link again in in the chat here um you can get the link i did a little trailer video on youtube so if you're watching this later you can go to my youtube and see the trailer and and get the link there but it's not actually on youtube 
it's only on uh, Zoom and it's kind of like a private thing. So we can talk about whatever we want. We don't have to worry about the censors. Um, you can come on the show if you want and ask your question sort of with your voice or with your camera or not. Um, but people can submit questions and um, yeah, we did one show last week and I had a lot of fun with it. And I'm going to make it sort of a weekly thing. Um, this show is free and then it's going to be part of my my Patreon channel. So check out my Patreon, Dr. MJ Coco on Patreon. Uh, it costs just $5 a month to subscribe and you'll be, get access to um, the weekly Ask Dr. Coco show that I'm going to do. Um, I was also the guest, the featured guest on the last two episodes of Garden Talk with Mr. Grow It. This is his first ever sort of back-to-back -back guest. So we talked one episode about growing in cocoa and one episode about lighting. So check out the, the Garden Talk with Mr. Grow It channel. Um, and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'll be back here again on, on Growing With My Fellow Growers. Jack, thank you. Matthew, it was a pleasure meeting you this week. And grow with love, everyone. I'll pass it back. Thank you so much, Doc. It's been a pleasure having you. It's literally since the first episode. I, I re-listened. I sent the link last week in the chat and listened to that episode. And uh, it's funny to listen back and hear all of our, you know, introductions and everything and uh, going through it. It was a great time. And I'm, I'm happy you're still here with us. I think that's a good sign if we're yeah. able to keep this I'll have to go here. back and listen to that show. That's got to be worth a listen. It is, if nothing else, just to see, like, how far we have come from a production and a content standpoint, but it was a great time. And I'm happy that you've been here for the entire time. And uh, I really appreciate everybody being here. Next up, Matthew Gates. Yeah, wow, four years. It's been a long time for sure. At this point, it's just a part of my regular routine. So it just seems so normal to do it. And, uh, you know, just like in high school and other aspects of my life, I'm big on punctuality and I have missed very little of these episodes. So. I definitely take pride in that. Um, and yeah, I definitely look forward to seeing uh, more stuff and going to Dr. Coco's in the future. And yeah, so Matthew Gates, if you are interested in pest help, you can check me out at xenthanol.com, xenthanol on YouTube, Sync Angel, S-Y-N-C-H-A-N-G-E-L on Instagram and Twitter. And again, if you really want to hang out and learn a bunch of cool IPM stuff, you can check me out with Jordan River from Growcast. Uh, tickets are online for the first two places we're going to go to um, for the Pestapalooza. For, and I think the first one is New York, New York City, Long Island, I think is one of them. And I forget where the other one is, too. Um, but you can check us out uh, there as well. You can buy the tickets for that event. And, um, yeah, I, I look forward to many more of these episodes. I really appreciate the friends and the community that I've sort of uh, meet out through through the years i'm looking forward to another four years i i really hope and believe that in four years we'll still be doing this and uh who knows where the state of growing and, and cannabis will be but i think that we'll all still be involved with it and uh making this part of our weekly routine and i appreciate you being here punctually every week uh i appreciate everybody who shows up in the chat and on the panel and last and certainly not least we've got noah the grower yeah yeah i had a good time today um I don't think I was here on the, the episode four years ago. Shane brought me on a little bit less, but uh, I, um, I'm i happy to be here as always. And uh, yeah, I'm Noah the Girl on Instagram. You guys can find me there. And uh, always here with the Cheap Home Grow Nation. And uh, shout out to everybody watching us on YouTube and uh, commenting and just everybody that's been 
tagging along and I have a blast and I learn a lot. So I'll see everybody next week. Thank you so much, Noah. It's been a great time having you and the rest of the panel. All the listeners, a lot of you are here from the first episode and even before then, which is kind of crazy to think about. You've been following us for four years. That's longer than I've known a handful of people that I work with like on a regular basis. And it's just like, man, we've been doing this a long time and, and dedicated and it's a good feeling. And I'm thankful for everyone. I want to shout out Aaron Grower, ATG Acres, Brandon Rust, and Kyle Breeder, who are pretty regular panelists with us. I know um, sometimes they're busy with life, and, and right now they're in their kind of busier phase, but they're always welcome whenever they're ready to come on back, and we're always happy to have them when they're here. So big shout-out to those guys. Shout-out to all the podcast listeners, YouTube listeners live and afterwards. We couldn't do the show without you, genuinely. We wouldn't. Uh, maybe we would come together and just have our little uh, you know, panel of uh, communication like Doc is doing with uh, Ask Dr. MJ just on Zoom not streamed to youtube which we actually did uh one week we had te technical difficulties and we all hung here for like an hour and a half and just talked and uh i, I should have hit record noah was like man this would have been like the lost episode like i wanted to <laughs> upload or something like that and uh we talked about some non-cannabis stuff on there that i'm probably happy that we didn't uh upload but it was but see that's, that's my point jack you get a little bit a little bit more wiggle room when when you're not broadcasting on youtube so yeah come to the free webinar show Definitely check it out. It's nice to, yeah. uh, not to worry about that kind of stuff. But well, just wait until they start screen recording you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to be careful on here, <laughs> listening to awesome cannabis content, make sure to go check out the Michigan Bros Grow Show, which is an amazing show as well. Spartan Grown's going to be over there. And if you want to find me, I'll uh, take you guys' advice like earlier. You can see my logo right there at Jack Greenstock. Um, that's my name on Instagram. You could also find me, Jack underscore Greenstock, on Twitter. And uh, if you want to email me, jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. Really appreciate everybody out there who's supported us for a long time. If you want a copy of my book, 50 Strains of Green, I've still got like 100 copies left or so. And uh, people are still, I had two orders in one day the other day. So it's it's nice to see people are still uh, picking it up. So all those people that are supporting it, I'm still pushing to finish 50 Strains of Purple. I'm on the tail end of it. So it's coming. It'll happen, I promise. And uh, I appreciate everybody's support. And, uh, you know, keep on nudging me to get it done because it, it will be done. And I'm putting it out there as soon as I can with the highest quality possible. So thank you, everybody, for all the listening, love, and support. Uh, and shout out to Spartan Grown as well, who left us a little bit earlier. But with all that said, Jack Greenstock, signing out. Grow love, everyone. <laughs>